Hey everyone, welcome to Dialogue Choices podcast number I've lost track. <laughs> Roger. Okay. <laughs> it was a longer pause than I meant to make. <laughs> I just left That's, dead. Uh... I just left it dead. We're, Andrew's back from Europe. I am. Uh, and and we're back. here with Illusory Wall from uh, Dark Souls Esoterica fame. Uh, hey, how's it going? I, and Colonel does not still have COVID, but he's still recovering from COVID, so he can't really speak through a podcast so we're still in our our All wild right. card episodes <laughs> we're we're 20 or uh what we're 75 percent of the way there we're just missing one person somehow always yeah. we can uh but this gives us an opportunity to go into some of the a reoccurring topic which is just from software games in general uh, on this podcast mm. is dark souls and elden ring and so on because especially a lot of elden ring because for a while there we were all playing it for like six months straight because we're because mm -hmm. let's players do everything as slowly as possible because of the schedule yeah and then just venting and just dealing with the bizarreness of that game and our wildly different experiences with it all the way through and all that and now i've got someone that is like what if the dark souls wiki gained sentience and started making youtube videos and became an influencer <laughs> uh, yeah i'd say that sounds about right <laughs> i have to admit that yeah, i've man. actually only done one what i would call normal playthrough of elden ring i haven't even found enough time to like because i i just played through it once and then after that it was just firing up the game with like cheat engine and just like that's, that's actually the thing i was wondering is that because of the way that you make videos about these kinds of things mm -hmm. i was wondering whether or not you even did a normal playthrough of elden ring where you just like sat down and experienced it as regular gamer for like a few dozen hours and beat game and then actually like and if, if you then like went back and then, OK, now I'm going to make content about this. Yeah, so I, I did. But the funny part is I had already started my first video before I'd even finished the game. Um, so that was like the video on fall damage that I made. So I just kind of like even though I was like hacking around and like testing weird stuff in the game, I just made a point to like, oh, don't go to end game locations, even though I'm like jumping around in the game and not playing normally. Um, but even my first playthrough was like very much, I'm calling it a normal playthrough, but it, it would not be a normal playthrough by most people's standards. Cause I was doing weird stuff where I was just like invading people over and over and like logging the amount of souls they drop. Cause that'll tell you what their level is. So I was like using that to help like build up a list of like, Oh, what's the invasion level range. So even in a normal playthrough, I'm just doing weird side quests of just like trying to figure out how some stuff works. The fall damage stuff was really interesting, too. I, I got through that, I think, last week or something. It was funny being kind of jump-scared by it randomly. And I don't know if you saw it. it was in, in the in Shammy's video on Elden Ring. Like, just to reference the idea of, like... like It was it was kind of a joke where it was hard to tell if she actually watched the video specifically. But just dealing about... It was like a joke about the esoterica of Elden Ring and just being like, look, this is a game where it takes half an hour to, to calculate fall damage, so what do you want from me? <laughs> That's funny. I actually hadn't seen that, but that's exactly right. Yeah, it's... it comes It comes from... The, what makes it so weird and unintuitive is the fact that I feel like they didn't create a fall damage system from scratch. They basically just, like, copy and pasted their system from Dark Souls 1. But then they're like, well, it's an open world game where there's a lot more vertical exploration, so, like, let's just, like, change what the numbers are. Kind of, And it's just, like, eh. it's It's really unintuitive because they basically just slightly altered an older system they have that from the ground up probably doesn't you know probably isn't the best fit for the game actually yeah i uh it's one of those cases where i, I sat down to learn about something in elden ring because it was 
so noticeably strange in the context of Elden Ring. But I ended up learning about the entire franchise because I didn't know how fall damage ever worked on any mm-hmm. level, really. Uh, here, I found the time code for the just for future reference of coming up with another video. Like, I, I had no idea that there was this weird nonlinear relationship. And it would, it would explain why I've always been confused just in general about falling in the entire series, which like this is like. They, it's 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 the it's one of the from software quirks they insist on yeah. having some kind of strange fall de- like platforming section at least once that's like very oh, yeah. de- like very deliberately here's the platforming bit uh like it's the all the way back in demon souls you mm-hmm. remember like the the mines have yes either you either have uh the part where you take the more obvious i'm <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> yeah you take the more obvious path forward where you get to that giant cliff overlooking all of the weird lava centipedes and stuff or, or millipedes things. And there's a very tempting ledge that looks like you might be able to like find a way down without mm-hmm. going into the bizarre series of caves that lead there. But that entire ledge is covered in Vaseline and just you cannot predict what your character is going to do for the next three seconds when you, if you try to do platforming there. But then the other yeah. path in that level is also um, just this vertical mine shaft. In fact, that whole level is kind of full of platforming. And like we just finished, uh, like I had to go find the secret uh, Hunter's Dream area in, in Bloodborne, and that involved doing an alternate secret side path in the insane platforming section of Bloodborne where you have to drop down through this weird dark area that's just scaffolding and long drops. But like it's always been this. Uh, I guess it speaks to the the need for stump, something like those those stones, which I just never actually use in context. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But like it's just known universally that no one actually knows what to expect from a fall. And counterintuitively, there's often items that reduce fall damage, but they don't make falls safer. <laughs> they right, o- right. They only reduce fall damage within the narrow window where you only take damage but they don't make you survive longer falls yeah right like it makes a fall safer if your health was like already really drained before you're dropping which is like why would you like who's not going to heal before like stepping off a fairly large drop so yeah like those things like never do anything to help you (laughs) yeah and like it's it's always hard to gauge longer distances in general but then there's like this it's interesting learning about this weird aspect where like uh, intuitively, you would think, oh, fall damage would be either linear because like you just the further you fall, the more damage you take, starting from one damage and ending at infinity damage. Uh, or it'd be like exponential because like we learned that in real life, uh, gravity has acceleration. So the fact that every mm-hmm. millisecond you fall uh is worse than the previous millisecond of falling and so on it's like it is an acceleration and would get worse so it's not that surprising that you would accelerate at taking damage but if i remember correctly isn't there like uh there's essentially like a minimum fall damage and a maximum fall damage that are not zero or 100 and so they're just kind of like yes that's what makes it so unintuitive in elden ring like you know you fall off a ledge and like you don't lose any health then you fall like a little bit further and just like a much bigger chunk comes off because there's like no in between and the same thing for lethal falls where it's like you have half of your health after a fall so you're like oh i you know i was pretty good i could have fallen quite a bit further it's like no you were one centimeter away from dying if you lost that much health like (laughs) 
So like every player is going to intuitively try to look at their meter and how much damage they take and be like, okay, half of my health is gone. I fell half as far as you could fall. And yeah. that's 100% not true because it's a meter where if you're using it as a reference, the entire first half, of, the first part of the meter is just entirely cut off and has zero data. And the left and the and the maximum of the meter is offset to the right by like an inch from where it looks like it is. So it's just everyone was just <laughs> scratching their head. And you had like the perfect thing to make a video about because no one Absolutely. could tell what was happening. No, no one knows what the hell's going on with that. Yeah, it's super unintuitive. Um, like my whole video, like my clickbaitish thumbnail was saying like it's not, you know, like glitched or it's not inconsistent. I think I said something to that effect because um, there's just a lot of people wondering what's going on like what's going on with it but like that is not me saying that it's a good system by any means <laughs> it works consistently it's just like it is not intuitive and in the other half of the equation is the fact that it removes like a percent of your health when you land it's like you would think leveling up your health more would help in some way like oh, i'm gonna have more health for this and it's like no if you if you were to fire up the game with like cheat engine and make your max hp like 10 just like a really small impossibly small number um and fall off like a pretty huge cliff like you're just gonna lose like five hp from that same fall <laughs> that would remove like 500 if you had a lot more health it's just like it's so confusing it's a and i, I would say it's probably accurate to say that like the your bread and butter has definitely been dark souls one specifically yes. over the years and it, and, I, and it's and i don't think that's because of just the sheer popularity of the game although that probably helps a bit but it's just like that game is baffling it's bonkers <laughs> like the more you look at it the weirder it gets and it's like it's like staring it's like staring at a comic page and just noticing that the closer you look all of the lines don't line up with the the print of the of the color and like more and more strange elements just don't make sense almost as they're daring you to look closer they uh, like I feel like coming to Dark Souls 1 from Demon Souls, they had to have thought to themselves, like, hey, like, what else can we do? So they <laughs> like really brainstormed on just, like, a lot of weird ideas, and, like, a lot of them aren't implemented very well. Uh, but they're, they're super creative, though, you know, whether it's, like, the Miracle Resonance mechanic that didn't really work, or just, like, the system for getting humanity from killing enough enemies in the level. Like, that mostly works, but it has some weird glitches that screws it up in a few places, and it's just, like... It's packed with so many weird ideas that more so than any other game in the series, like you just don't fundamentally understand why things are happening in the game. Like something might happen and you might be like, oh, was that an online thing? Like, did, not, did another player doing something in their own game do this to me right now? Um, that's something that's missing from a lot of the other Souls games. I mean, they still they're they have mysterious mechanics and stuff that isn't explained too well. But Dark Souls 1 just goes so far off the deep end with that. That's like, yeah, I could make a million videos about this game. Yeah, I wonder, the, uh, oh, I wonder if it. there's some kind of a uh, like scope versus time issue. Like you would think that, yeah, there's probably an in, in, a desire, right, to expand upon a very successful game, and but like I wonder if it wasn't it wasn't planned out as efficiently as it could have. So you had a lot of different ideas being worked on at a lot of different times, but none of them actually got. The amount of like the right amount of time that they needed to flush it out so it always worked but it wasn't perfect which is like a weird like i don't know because like based on some of the levels are like that too it almost feels like the game mm -hmm. like kind of had this like strong start and then somewhere along the line something happened where either too much started being added or a lot time a lot of time was being taken away and like they just 
started to have to figure out like what can we what is the enough that we can do for certain features like what is enough for you know to consider it good um oh yeah this, i mean this to, to steal a game grumps joke like the dark souls 100 feels like uh like the idea of like the, like like this was a, a, a sonic the hedgehog joke originally but it was like wow this game looks pretty promising i can't wait to see what it looks like when it's finished and then like this shipped yesterday but if that game mm -hmm. turned out to be a massively influential and like you know playable game in the end result like it feels like dark souls had one billion ideas that were all just just thrown in there in like this cocaine fueled bender of like look at look at all this crazy stuff we can do and no one tells us what we can't do in our game but then also they just very much did not finish the game either and so it's it's a yeah it's a it's a bizarre stack of just these incredibly strange half implemented mechanics some of which are genius and some of which are genuinely impenetrable to people who've played the game for a decade yep. <laughs> and nobody knows yep. how they work <laughs> and the developers of the remake can't make them work and like, <laughs> that's yeah, so, I mean, so fascinating it's wild yeah, so many glitches that did not get fixed for the remaster and like, yeah, it, it's just such a it's exactly like you described it, because I mean, when you look at how like unpolished late game areas are and it's like, oh, but they took the time to make vagrants and like not only do they <laughs> exist, but there's a whole like table of like items that you can drop to spawn the good vagrants and how they like go through this metamorphosis to like the items turn into different things as you're creating a vagrant. And like, I, it's just so bizarre. It's like, why did someone spend time making this when they had yeah. they obviously had bigger fish to fry but that's part of what makes the game so cool because it's just so again with all the notoriety that they have for their difficulty it's like i can't stress enough that dark souls one is a very weird game like it is it is incredibly weird and that's it's, why it's it's rare for a game it's rare for a game to be as interesting to talk about as like eve online or dwarf fortress but also playable mm -hmm. by humans <laughs> yes which yeah, is yeah not the case in those ones like i uh, mm -hmm. like i this is a dumb side thing but it's just like i i hit the front page of shitty dark souls with my t with my tweet where i fucking i uh, <laughs> i i ranked the souls games and i think dark souls is the worst dark souls game including bloodborne sekiro and elden ring and, and demon souls that that souls born list that that half makes sense uh so like my ranking is dark souls 2 bloodborne demon souls dark souls 3 sekiro elden ring dark souls which is somewhat controversial and i tweeted it out <laughs> being incendiary for fun but uh i ended up on the front page of the of a dark souls reddit that flames people for stuff like this and they that's hilarious they were nice enough to censor my name i i guess uh, but it's very obviously me because my personas in the thumbnail uh, and the the icon is still That's visible really there funny. and so on. But uh, it's, it's funny I say that people this, like, mm -hmm. which is it's just that I say this, but these are all good games. Yes. Like they're not even the worst Dark Souls game is not even as bad as the worst Zelda, which is also a crazy list of games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, but like Dark Souls one is just so fascinating to me because yeah, like it, it's infinitely it's you, you can talk about dark souls one more than you can talk about any other game that they've made arguably because of how interesting and strange it is but not a, a large number of those things just do not add up to a good like a lot of those things aren't actually bonuses to the act of playing the game 
uh, even though the, the, they do yeah. kind of add to a vague air of mystique. Like, vagrants are genius and bizarre and a cool thing to have in your game and probably should still be around. But then you have Dragon Buttland. <laughs> Yeah, which, exactly. which I can only call and I can only call it that like it's it's it will always be Dragon Buttland and it's there seemingly on purpose. And I can't explain its presence in uh, what is always insisted to be like the best game of all time by so many people. And I'm like, I please, please play the second half of the game. It's, it's really funny, my, too, because like with, with what you said about uh, like. You know, there's so much you could talk about, but doesn't necessarily like lend itself towards improving the game or improving like how you yeah. interact with the game. Because my videos have definitely gotten a handful of comments being like, "How does this help me?" <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> like they're I'm looking like, up guides, like a walkthrough. Yeah, you know, if you're looking up guides, it's like, oh, my videos are very much the wrong videos. Like, I mean, you'll get some tips and you can learn some things that'll help you, I guess. But like, that is definitely a, f a very distant afterthought for my videos. Like, yeah, you don't watch my videos to quote unquote get good at the games not, no. not by a long shot <laughs> i just find I it interesting because like oh, yeah. i just like, I, got, I got really disillusioned from game development because I, I, I went to college to try to get into games and then just hard switched for two reasons one like i i just gave up on coding as a concept i did not mm -hmm. want to do stick to that but also every every bit of news i heard like the the Rockstar Widows, for example, just made it seem like game development was a miserable like industry to work in. And so like there's like two things going on where it's like, yeah, like I, I, finishing a game is comically difficult and half of these things barely work. But also on the other end, like they're like, yeah, like uh, em employees are treated very poorly just across the board. And it's kind of it's actually kind of coming out across the board even even. I don't know if you've seen like stuff that's reporting on like like customer, uh, employee satisfaction at from software is also like really low and they have a huge yeah. turnover and so on and, and the, 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 as much as people want to like treat uh certain companies as if they're exceptions like just the entire industry is just like the worst to these people in many cases and, and that's within uh japanese game development which is often so secretive and tight-lipped about like how working conditions are and so on mm -hmm. but like for me like i there's like a certain level of revisionism that happens with Dark Souls. And I think to some extent, I think it might be because like it is so fun to talk about. And you have all these Vati video videos and you have the illusory wall videos. And you have these like these deep, these deep breakdowns of all these strange elements that are fun to talk about. But we just kind of skip over the fact that like this game didn't. This game barely worked when it came out. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It, it shipped like half broken and then it got ported to PC way too quickly at 30, 30 frames per second, 720p. And we've kind of just gotten used to it, like playing it on like other console ports and with like hack fixes to like revise it into a game that it never actually was made as originally because of how like, like it, it, I, I say this because it's it's stability at launch to me is somewhat indicative of the level of like polish and completeness that it had as far as like its levels and mechanics go like there's clearly a massive focus on the first half of the game and then the second half of the game was seemingly made way faster as if they just needed to like just sort of fill in they, they like try to just really quickly fill in the rest of the blueprint as fast as possible and so like each zone abandons the level design concepts of the game up to that point and instead 
becomes mostly a straight shot that has like one gimmick that's supposed to like kind of like inform that zone and kind of give it its flavor. It's like here's the lava mm-hmm. level. Here's the level where you can't see. Here's the level where you can't see the platforms and like the in they and they kind of like leaned on that in place of any sort of uh like level design polish. And each of those levels has like two enemies total and like a and then recycled mm-hmm. bosses from earlier in the game as regular enemies like really consistently like here's the giant level that's only the crystal guy from the lake over and over again but they're gold yeah. sometimes and like here's the level where there were those one weird crawling dog man skeleton over and over again and here's the level with the uh that's just the uh demons from the beginning of the game but over and over and over again as as regular enemies like it's like it's it's all it's kind of appalling a little bit mainly if you're specifically brought in like it's I, it's it'll be really fascinating to see people's reactions to this game if they hear its entire reputation first yeah and aren't like 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 we were all there day 1 and experiencing it it warts and all in all the confusion the moment we started playing the game but it'll be really interesting to see like the the reputation continue to sprawl forever and like dark souls is the reason that Death Stranding exists and so on and so forth. Uh, and then people actually play the game and they just hit the brick wall of how utterly strange it is. Like just bizarre. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not, this, it's, I'm not on like a mission to dunk, dunk on Dark Souls. I'm just, I just think that the, the state in which it came out and the reality of what it is versus its reputation is so fascinating. Oh, yeah. and like I, like I, cause I just watched your video about uh, Miracle Resonance and how like, like because people because people this is like a good counter a bit to the idea that because people like often want to like deify Miyazaki and treat every element of Dark Souls as if it's like incredibly intentional and not like kind of like certain things are really intentional and really like the point of the game and other things are like kind of slapdash like filler and like oh god we have to ship this game and like mm-hmm. Miracle Resonance is such like a wild example of that. Like this entire mechanic has just never worked for entire platforms. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and that's just how it is. N- now that um, prepare to die edition is offline, uh, like the PC version, I think Xbox 360 is like the only platform it works on correctly now. And that's like a very underpopulated platform to my understanding. So it's yeah, kind of like, like a, it's insane. Like I was watching your video. It was, it was nostalgic. Cause like, and uh, Dark Souls was the first game that Andrew and I played on our Let's Play channel all the way back in 2011, just one yep. entire eternity ago uh, when all this got mess got started <laughs> and we've never been and it's never been rid of us since. But like, yep. I have periodically replayed Dark Souls since then and I have completely forgotten Miracle Resonance existed as a mechanic. Yeah. Like I see those white rings in your video. And I'm like, oh, Wow not even playing dark souls reminds you of this mechanic anymore yeah. in the world it's super weird they just like didn't it, it was a train i talked about it in the video but to any of the listeners here who haven't seen the video it was like a train wreck in slow motion too because they announced the uh, network test for dark souls remastered it's like all right we're you know the remaster is coming out we're going to do this network tests and when that came out like i made a thread on reddit that like no one paid attention to you mean like Hey man, if they don't like put the miracles in into the network test that actually spawn resonance, like we're not gonna be able to test that network feature. We're not gonna know if it's working correctly or not. And I had, was already very cautious because like I knew it didn't work on PlayStation Three correctly that whole time. So it was like moving forward into the remaster, is this even gonna work correctly? The 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 test to test network features 
isn't including this mechanic that's like already very suspect. And then, of course, the game launches and it doesn't work correctly. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and like, and these, these, these mechanics are so esoteric that like, yeah, like we uh, like you were looking for uh, examples of grave lording. And yes. and uh, this is a very unique, very specific form of data gathering we were able to do, which is that you can you were asking about if we've ever encountered this. And I'm like, I would never be able to tell you if that ever popped up it sounds vaguely familiar but how would i even search my several playthroughs for that occurrence but thank you youtube i can search i can keyword search my entire comment section of the entire channel and find people mentioning grave lording and yeah, in I'm, fact I'm, one of those was an example of like just the message just popping up for no reason of just like oh well, not not, not exactly no reason but seemingly for. seemingly no reason of just like the Gravelord servant or uh, disasters have been uh, the disasters have disappeared because of the defeat of the Gravelord servant or something. And it's just like. It's noise. It's completely incomprehensible. It's a uh, sucks for that guy, I guess. Yeah, like you're playing a game <laughs> and then a message just full of words you've never heard of comes up and functionally nothing changed in your game. Yep. And you don't know what it even was meant to be. And it's because, and if I, I'm trying to remember now, because I, I watched that back when you were when it first came out, but like that, it doesn't do anything, right? If you're not in New Game Plus, so in fact, yeah, like it the, doesn't do anything. So the message is completely meaningless. Like, it, there's a couple layers of confusion to it because it, yeah, it says disasters are gone after the defeat of the Grave Lord Servant. So the wording is vague to start with. A lot of people interpreted that as a message that like you had to do something like they're reading like oh disasters will be gone like that's kind of what people thought it yeah. said it's, it's like, it no, sounds no, no. It's like some ring of the two bells stuff <laughs> yeah but yeah, like the message is telling you it's actually over now but you Which see that the message in the first playthrough when it doesn't actually do anything so it's just kind of like i mean you, the optional pvp exists in the first playthrough but it's like so it's just weird getting this message saying like hey disasters are gone but actually we just meant that there might have been a PvP yeah. sign somewhere in this level, but now it's not here anymore. Like, and we're going to tell you this. Which is like it's useless like, information because the game's already full of PvP signs that just come and go endlessly. Yep. Uh, it's it's incredibly like it is it's, and it, 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 I can only interpret it as just being like an incorrectly implemented feature because like the message just means nothing to the vast majority of people who will, who will ever see it. Not only because they don't know what it means, but because it actually is not reporting a status change that is meaningful yeah. or even or even is the thing that they, that is described. So like they yep. like they made a new game plus only mechanic, but then let it infect non new game plus matches, which like kind of just makes it not work on any level because like, yeah. yes, that gives you a little PVP thing that you have no reason to do, but like two things are happening here. Like one, you're just confusingly doing something completely nonsensical to every new game player that uh, it, it infects. But also, if, if assuming it's a one to one thing, I don't know. I don't know if that's how it worked or not. But at least uh, the people you're infecting being a new game means that you, as the Gravelord servant, are also not getting the mechanic that you're setting out to do either. So it just yeah. kind of doesn't work. It, it was so unintuitive to the point that like people thought the covenant was heavily glitched for a long time. Like if you just, if you were to read about grave lording, even to this day, people were like, Oh, don't mess with that. It's bugged. It's heavily glitched. And it's like, well, no, it actually does work consistently. It does have a few weird kind of glitches on the side that are very obscure, but not ones that affect whether or not like it quote unquote works. It definitely works. It's just designed horribly. <laughs> 
you know and it's it's so unintuitive to the point that it appears to be non-functional uh it just sends mixed messages like that that message definitely derailed the whole thing um i guess i I should ask more broadly uh so you played demon souls before dark souls one uh yes and no (laughs) oh okay how did that go did you did you like bounce off of it or something yeah, no, I, I, uh, I, you ever watched the uh, zero punctuation review of uh, Demon Souls? Oh, it's been a long time. I'm pretty sure I have, but because it it's describes not my, my exact arc, <laughs> like you get into it just enough to get through Boletarian Palace one one, and you're like, okay, this is difficult, but I'm not getting through this, and then like Boletarian Palace two uh, one two is designed to break you <laughs> like as yeah. a new player the uh the, the it's it, the lo- like it's funny because playing the game now uh the tower knight is not a hard boss and mm-hmm. that level is 30 seconds long if you aren't yeah. like going through and getting all the items under underneath the bridge uh like it's just dodging like three dragon fire spots that admittedly have very tight timings and at least or at least they have like the game feel of having intensely tight just dist- dist- distressing timings like i never trust my run through those areas and worst of all the last run does just run you face first into several enemies that you like you have like you're, you're stuck between us a lot of enemies that can very abruptly kill you and your back being covered in fire and you have to figure out how to make those few seconds work or you're starting over but as a new player that isn't used to like run it like doing corpse runs where it's like okay i I, be, I finished this level already i'm just trying to beat the boss and you get you're like you you develop the skill in the franchise of like running past entire levels that you've played before over and over again like ah time to fight sir alon before here's this weird gauntlet of random ninjas that i don't play uh, that, that i've already beaten before i'm not doing it again that whole approach uh you just build different skills by playing the franchise more that makes bulletarian palace uh part two more doable and so yeah my first experience was that i completely fell off of dark soul of uh of demon souls while being interested in it like i didn't really choose to quit i just stopped Mm -hmm. playing for the day and then never picked it up again and then uh then i kind of fell off of dark souls also in that i i picked it up to play with andrew uh for the channel and we're just kind of like we're doing one of the worst things you could do because we we're just hanging out and playing the game, and every time someone died, we'd swap controllers, which is a great way to learn a game is to uh, uh, to, <laughs> to, is to, is to is to take turns. Uh, so it's not yeah. very effective. Uh, and we we had the we we had the worst possible introduction you could have had, which is that. Uh, and I think I've been I've been vindicated again and again by hearing other people's accounts of this exact thing happening, but we did not find the undead burg. So you can imagine how that went for us because we found everything else instead. So and this is a case where the reputation of Dark Souls works against it in that it's all about like this game's incredibly hard, right? It's so hard. So like it's if something kicks your ass, you're like, oh, this must just this is this is the true Dark Souls experience it begins here, like that whole thing. So like we went to the catacombs and it's just infinitely respawning skeletons that are like technically no. beatable. Like the, you could you could definitely <laughs> drop them. But boy, is this a problem! What a hike! What a what a a spike in difficulty from the asylum, and then we event we eventually gave up and tried and found a different route into the New Londo ruins. <laughs> so now you've got another set of like Yikes. differently unbeatable enemies. Like, 
<laughs> but like they do give you the little curse items. So like for like a good hour or two, it felt doable. Like, oh, you just gotta use a specific item and fight these ghosts in a specific way, and you can maybe get to this level. And like now that I know where those levels go as an experienced player, I know how utterly doomed we were if we made any progress further than we did anyway. Like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Like the checkpoints are so far away and those levels are so long and difficult without the trick to defeat them. I remember like, my, uh, mm -hmm. but that I was, was just the say. thing. Like we, I think we eventually like, we made it far enough that we like, we beat the gargoyles by summoning and we, uh, we did beat the butterfly on our first try, and I was like, wow, we beat a Dark Souls boss on our first try. <laughs> wow. But we just never really fully beat it. And I, I actually played the entire game solo off camera uh, while listening to podcasts, which is also not a great approach because I can't <laughs> hear the game. But that's how I used to consume video games uh, like 13 years ago. But I eventually beat Dark Souls being a coward with a shield and a spear. Uh, like the lightning spear you get, I think, and mm -hmm. uh, like lightning charge, or I might have just made, made it lightning. Uh, big heavy shield and and spear is like the stereotypical way of getting through those things. And then I beat, uh, went back and beat demon souls in a different way, and eventually it all finally like clicked for me, so that I could I could go back and and play the uh, dark souls and the lead up to into dark souls two, and I was finally like gaining momentum and learning the games. But that was a that was a long climb. Uh, it's just a case of, like, if the game doesn't teach you how to play the game, then, like, or what the best ways to approach the game, then, like, you can, like, learn a lot of really bad habits and not even know. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's so many things. Yeah. When Dark Souls 1 launched, too, uh, it was glitched so that when you locked onto an enemy, you couldn't, uh, like, press left or right to, like, retarget. It, or, like, it, it, like, barely worked, at least, like, on launch day. And it was just, like... There were so many frustrations baked into like the early console launch of Dark Souls One. On top of all of that, that like there was jank. Like I remember coming in as a fan of Demon Souls, and I would say Dark Souls One, even with all the jank warts and all, like it, it's probably my favorite Souls game. But like I remember my initial reaction from Demon Souls was like, "Oh, this is kind of rough." Like I was like, I was like, not. There were some moments where I was like, "I don't know if I'm liking this as much as Demon Souls." Uh yeah, it's just a weird, weird experience. But I got I know, really. That was, I know, to Toaster had a very. I think we need to get him on at some point to actually discuss this in detail. But Toaster has like a, a strong reaction to Dark Souls because he was a huge fan of Demon Souls and really okay. clicked with it and had mm -hmm. and has a lot to say about it be about why it was so special and so on. Mm -hmm. And for him, Dark Souls was a huge letdown, and that is. A, I, want, I definitely want to interrogate I that. To that. Yeah, like I want to interrogate <laughs> that a bit because that's such a uh, it's a very specific perspective that never comes up. In part because almost nobody played Demons. Yeah. I mean, not almost known. It would it was successful, but it did not light the world on fire the way Dark Souls did. Yeah, no, I I can extremely relate to that. I mean, for me, it's going to be watered down a lot because I did wind up loving Dark Souls by the time I was done with it. Uh, but there was a low point in my first playthrough. Like like I said, like the lock on was really glitchy, so it just felt janky compared to demon souls which is really funny to say um and then there's a point uh, in the unpatched version of the game the fog ring made it so that anyone who's wearing it you couldn't lock onto them um so it was ridiculous in pvp you were like I, you know anyone who's good at pvp has strategies for like not locking onto players or whatever but when you're still like learning how to play the game like you know you need to be able to lock onto someone so like i just remember getting like invaded in sense fortress 
and I couldn't lock onto the player because they were wearing the fog ring and I got like totally demolished. And that, that was a low point for me where it was just kind of like, do I not like this game as much as Demon Souls? Like there was something very wrong at, at some point. Um, but yeah, like Toaster, though, I came in, I, I clicked with Demon Souls like, right away, instantly. It was I'd never played a From Software game before that. Like I didn't know what a, a Kingsfield was, um, but I had a friend I didn't have a PlayStation 3, so I had heard of the game, but, like, hadn't looked anything up. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to get a PS3, so, like, whatever. Um, but a friend bounced off Demon's Souls, but knew enough of my tastes. Like, he was like, oh, you should come over and, like, try this game, because I think you'd be into it. And I just, like, immediately, even though, like, I, you know, didn't know how to play, like, there are a lot of aspects of the game. Like, I didn't parry, like, probably my entire first playthrough of the game i still can't um, i can't do it <laughs> yeah it, it's tough it's tough certain enemies are a lot like i'll have like setups for some enemies that like pairing like a silver knight or black knight it's not a big deal to me but like pairing hollows like can be pretty scary actually um but yeah i, I don't know it, it's just sort of this weird thing where like instantly in one dash one like i remember just like falling into that pit near the beginning of the level like the one above the executioner's area and it just like the gear started turning in my head being like, oh, like, what do I have to do? Like when I get back to this area to not die here. And like I was immediately on board for that experience. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, the encounter design is so interesting throughout Voltarian Palace, like the first level. Like that's like one of mm -hmm. the best levels they've made to this yes. day in any, yeah. in any Souls game. It's just the Absolutely. intro to Dark to Demon Souls in a way that like, yeah, like, like Dark Souls never really captures that. Dark Souls 2 and 3 don't really do that. I don't think like it's, it's a. It's a very strong intro that I think they've never really gone back to on that level. And then Elden Ring, what what first level? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, Elden Ring's the opposite of that. Yeah, like my Elden Ring intro was that I immediately, uh, it's like I I I immediately found like my first my first episode ends with me fighting the giant. That's a that's a a boss fight in a cave by the lake. Like that's where I went mm -hmm. first. Like I didn't get, I didn't meet the NPC in front of the uh, starting point. I didn't get the grace <laughs> because like, and like it, it seems obvious. Like, it, like it's one of those things where it's like a let's player moment where like everybody watching the video sees this golden thing in front of me and my camera seems to be pointing at it. So you would think that I see it, but I'm looking at the giant golden tree on the horizon and this insane, this insane, I'm, I'm, I'm like getting weird, like like hiccup things i'm looking at this insane like distant vista and like the sheer amount of stuff to take in and then i immediately just do on, on instinct follow the wall to my left to check behind the building for secrets but it's just more open world and then i just went that way and never like got the first checkpoint or behaved in basic ways you'd expect a player to do uh, I, had, I had a I had a great introduction to Elden Ring because I had played the network test, uh, which of course didn't have there's you know that area a, a Gil Lake or whatever where you can go downstairs and you open up the in the final game there's that trap chest that takes you to Kaled. Uh In the network test, I think that just gave you a weapon that might have given you the Reduvia or something like that. So I remember going in like firing up the game like I'm gonna go right for that chest because I know it's near the start. Like, that's going to be the first thing I do is get that weapon. <laughs> and it just sent me straight to Caleb, and I was like, oh, oh, uh-oh, this is scary. <laughs> Those are oh fantastic God. surprises. The, uh, like, when you get when you get teleported to, to, to that distant view of, like, that vortex at the end of the game. Yes. 
and you can't yeah. interact with that level from there but they just show it to you like they just periodically show you previews of later levels like how you teleport into that giant that bridge with the giants on it in the middle of the city and you're like i have no idea where i am but the it, like it does two things it previews a future area but it also does mm-hmm. that moment of like it it, it uh expands your map because yes. you you think you know how big the world is and then you get tricked into being in a different zone and now there's just a tiny blip of map in the middle of nowhere and now the map just scrolls that far and you didn't know that was possible either Although mm-hmm. I did, I did yeah. go almost the entire game without finding that one ridge that teleports you like six places. That was like one of the last places I found. That's definitely a unique strength of uh, Elden Ring out of the Souls games, where like moving forward, I don't think I want all of their games to be open world. I definitely prefer prefer the more compact kind of maze like construction w- w- without the open world. But that doesn't mean I didn't appreciate it in Elden Ring. Um, you know, it's, it, it's something that kind of switches up the pace and the the vibe of the games and. Uh, yeah, that experience of it's like winding up somewhere far away and realizing the map's a lot bigger. It's like, oh, okay, this is something that doesn't happen in the other Souls games. Um, I remember when I first got warped to Caled and like made it outside and saw what the landscape looked like outside with like that giant skull in the environment. I was like, holy shit, I just stepped into like a prog rock album cover. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, uh, Elden Ring is really, really good at that particular experience. And that's something I love about it. You can always... It's it's a little goofy, but you can always tell it's it feels like when a from software game was running out of steam and just had to quickly finish a zone because like mm-hmm. Elden Ring has its own dragon butt land like <laughs> they're they're the ice level is just yeah but like the least said about it the better honestly and it's like kind of the uh, it's kind of like the uh, the cost of trying to go so hard in this particular thing like because like the the map just expanding and pulling that trick on you while it does so is so effective, but they they committed to it so hard that there's just like an entire, there's entire zones that just like nobody really wants to go to. And yeah, no, no one play wants again. to be there. They're not happy while they're there, 100%. And I don't think that level had a new enemy in it, like at all. I think it was exclusively uh, things you've seen before, like the hands and the yeah. the giants from earlier and so on. Yeah, so, that it, once right. ag- so once again, it feels like the demon ruins where it's like, they, okay, we we had a big area to fill out, so we recycled uh, all the old enemies and made some of them bigger or something or some of them smaller and just kind of get just kind of get through it. There's a boss at the end; it's lower important because <laughs> mm-hmm. like demons, because like finishing demon ruins is lower important, but uh, the act of playing it is just kind of this slog. Yeah. Yeah, all, all of the Souls games ha- have have their low points of just like, eh, I'm just playing through this to get through it. It's not somewhere I want to be. But I absolutely agree. Like, it was a cool trick, but I definitely missed just level, to, like, just the approach to level design that the uh, the rest of the series has always had. Like, I want to unpack these, like, little labyrinth levels and, yeah. like, feel the satisfaction of like like I like one of my favorite things that the entire franchise has done is the way that Dark Souls 2 expanded Estus Flask upgrades into like heart pieces and they had two separate categories they had the ones that make mm-hmm. them stronger and the ones that give you more of them which was back in Elden Ring and like having that be a reward for finding essentially every like secret nook and cool trick throughout the game was a cool exploration reward but the idea of completionistly exploring the Elden Ring world is almost a mean thing to expect of anybody. <laughs> and like 
the the game kind of started off as being like 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 when I played Breath of the Wild, I was so taken aback by how for the first time in years I was curious about an open world and was exploring and poking mm -hmm. around and like and like solving these little puzzles and observing my environment and being rewarded for doing so and having that be intentional things that were placed to like poke at like this legend or this is actually a a weird environmental observation that will lead you towards a shrine and so on and like Elden Ring felt like that for three zones <laughs> like yeah. the, like Kaled the intro zone and the lakes feel like that's back but then you're like oh okay here's my sixth here's my sixth dragon ambush this was the coolest thing that I'd ever seen, but now it happens all the time. <laughs> and like, or the death yeah. bird again, 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 and so on. And suddenly you're like, it just kind of like through repetition tramples its own surprises because they become just a checklist expectation of like, okay, this zone's going to have another dragon ambush and it's going to have its, a different elemental affinity. And that's just the theme this game has, which is a weird thing to do to your surprises. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've only made two of them so far, but some of more, my more popular videos are like my geographical analysis of the game space. Like I did one called uh, Lorgen's Layout for Dark Souls 1, and I did uh, Looming Landmarks of Lothric or whatever for Dark Souls 3. And so like a lot of people are like, oh, are you going to make one for Elden, Elden Ring? And like, I, I'm not sure if like people are going to be prepared for me to be a lot more negative in that video when <laughs> I eventually make it. Um because I, I I love the landscapes. I love the aesthetic. Um, again, the that feeling of of knowing how much bigger the map actually is. But like, for a deeper analysis, it's like, well, it's just an open world. So stuff you you see in the distance, yeah, you can go there. But it doesn't have the same puzzle like intrigue that Dark Souls One had, and even Dark Souls Three to an extent. Like, it's it's a lot more linear gameplay wise than Dark Souls One. But in terms of like how they made the levels fit together, they actually put like a lot a lot of thought into that. Uh, even without the interconnectivity, there was so much care put into the world's design. Like for Elden Ring, it's like a big flat open space. And my biggest criticism is that like you have these levels where like, you know, the legacy dungeons where within them, the level design is fantastic. But there's never how would I put this? Like anytime you go underground in, in Elden Ring, there's never any relationship to the above ground like ever. Like if you ever if you're ever underground and you see like Oh, a skylight! Like there's light coming in through the ceiling somewhere. It's yeah, like you're not, that... not going to find like a hole on the surface. You're not going to find a hole anywhere. Yeah, like they never do that. So I mean, there's a few places where like there's that one dungeon somewhere where you can see the other dungeon from a distance while you're underground. Um, and it's like it has like that Astol variant, uh, like across the ways that you can see. I forget the name of the dungeon. Um, is it like near the Perfumer's Grotto or something? I don't know, but uh. So they they had one spot in the game where you can see like an other dungeon that you're not actually in. I'm like, okay, that was awesome. Um, there's also the like the sewers beneath Lundell where like it gives you an alternate entrance into what is one of those more standard dungeons, and it's like, oh, like that dungeon breaks out into a normal level. Like that was really really cool. And if if the game just like sprinkled more of that in, it would have made me happier. But it it very much lacks doing stuff. You did, there's only a couple examples of the game doing stuff like that, and that to me is kind of a letdown. Even leads kind of heavy on this, like, eh, the coffin. I'll connect levels. <laughs> yeah. Like even, yeah. even underground, they're, they're like very much like just separate maps that they kind of yes. like gave you warps to connect to just kind of make it go somewhere. Yeah. And I say that like, I, I liked a lot of the underground stuff. Like the, uh, 
Oh, the aesthetic. The first time I took that huge elevator down, yes. like, where am I going? Like, that was so fucking cool. Where <laughs> like, almost everyone's first exposure was the river with the uh, with that yeah. fantastic purple orange gradient to its coloring and everything. And just like it's very mm. it's a spectacular visual, but also like I also just like the uh, that uh, the first area is a bit more open and kind of aimless, but like. I kind of preferred a lot of the underground stuff over the open world stuff because at least now you were playing a level, mm-hmm. which you usually weren't. Like the the peak is obviously playing some kind of castle, and like there's like okay here's the one or two paths you can take, and here's the variety of like enemy encounters designed around you approaching it from a specific direction. So there's like an intent to it now, whereas like random patrolling dudes in the fields just have zero direction to them and. It's just kind of a flat encounter you can choose or not or not choose to do. Uh, but the underground areas were like, here is the beginning of the level and here is the end of the level. And some of them might be a little more castly and some of them might be a little bit more like the uh, the uh, the the swamp areas of Demon Souls, where it's just like, OK, there's a beginning and an end. Good luck with the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. But at least it was like a, a series of levels that had a clear intent to how you're supposed to play them. And I don't mean like the, the correct way to play them. I just mean like there's like a progression and you feel like you're playing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the right way to put it, but it feels like you're playing a game instead of like sightseeing yeah. and wandering. Uh, yeah, it, it's like I said, like I, I appreciated the open world in Elden Ring just because it was something new and different, uh, but it is not the optimal form of a Souls game for me by any stretch. Like, you know, if they said like, hey, yeah. moving forward, like, we're going to make all of these games open world games from now on. I'm going to be a little like, ah, oh, no, 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 please don't. Uh, like, give me another Dark Souls 1. Give me another quasi-Metroidvania. Yeah, or I'm, even I'm like worried a about Souls, its success you know? because of that. Yeah. And again, I mean, if they want to branch off, if they if they have like a series that's open world, I'm cool with that. But I would definitely like side games, uh, you know, give me a. I don't necessarily lore wise even need a sequel to Bloodborne, but just hypothetically, like a Bloodborne sequel that's not yeah. open world, like that sort of or, thing would or be. Or Sekturo. <laughs> Sekturo. Yeah, just put it in yeah, the middle. Die bring, bring. <laughs> yeah, just just bring back all of the uh, the the odds naming schemes for for from software games. <laughs> God, why? <laughs> I just I think one of the most damning things for Elden Ring, which I think is a good game. I just think that it's mostly a novelty that is a step backwards as far as the franchise goes as like as far as like how much I enjoy the games. Uh, I think one of the most damning things is that like when I played Breath of the Wild and I'd be hit with a new clue or environmental puzzle to try to unpack about like, oh, something with these statues you can see in the desert and what's going on with that. I'd be all curious and intrigued and I would like I would put in the time to investigate and figure out what's going on. And and like, I'd want to like find out where this is going and what it might lead to and so on. And, and weirdly my ro- the rewards were often not that good. And you'd mm-hmm. think I'd f- feel burned by that, but just the act of discovery in that game was often rewarding in itself enough that I just had a great time just f- unpacking these weird clues and going on expeditions and checking out this chunk of the map and so on. Uh, I tried to go and do the paintings in Elden Ring. I was I just, just about to. Yeah, I knew you were. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I just, I got yeah. so frustrated and bored. Like, there's yeah, one it, that's like there's one that seems to be looking like under the archway bridge, like the arches of the bridge in the starting zone, at something like a tree, 
<laughs> and I, I have put so much time into trying to figure out like the angle and so on. And it's just not fun. It's just not interesting to do that. And I'm like, and it's weird because you're like, you would think these are really specific miles. Like these are really specific landmarks. Like, oh, here's the giant bridge. Here's the tree. Like this should be a no brainer. And it's like, it's, it's incredibly difficult to actually find these angles and not especially fun to do. And it's just like, it's, it's just, it's just kind of a bummer by comparison. You know, it's more fun than the, the in-game puzzle, like mini quests or whatever you'd call them. Have you played the Elden Ring uh, GeoGuessr at all? <laughs> they made, someone made a GeoGuessr no. for Elden Ring. It, it's incredibly polished. It's like really well designed. Uh, it only includes like, um, obviously like overworld type spaces because you know with the verticality of uh like the legacy dungeons like if you're in a basement somewhere like i don't know how you pinpoint that on, is it a mod map, or is it online it's online it's just a website we should we should do it sometime it's like really oh easy goodness. to do yeah <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> <laughs> i've never i've never played geoguessr before actually yeah i've never played it for any listeners who don't know uh geoguessr is just like an online um it uses like google map data It'll drop you off like street view somewhere in the world. And, you know, there's different rules you can set. Like, are you allowed to wander from your starting space or not? But you basically just look at things in the environment and try to figure out where you are in the world. So like maybe if it's a foreign language, you'd be like, oh, that looks Russian, I guess. And like maybe, you know, try to pinpoint in that way. But uh, yeah, it's really funny. Someone made that for Elden Ring really fantastically. Like it's just it'll drop yeah. you off somewhere. They took screenshots throughout the entire game. I have no idea how many thousands upon thousands of screenshots they took with like a 360 degree view and uh yeah they mapped it to 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 a map and uh yeah you have to like pinpoint like it'll tell you like oh you were like 100 meters from where you guessed or like you're a couple meters away and uh it, it's surprisingly like some parts I, I i played a few rounds and like some of it i was like oh yeah I'm, I'm gonna be really good at this i'm gonna nail this uh you know i made those videos about like the map changes i should be good at this and then like there are other spots where it's like it was so confusing and i have no idea Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm at a I'm looking at it right now, and I am struggling to place, uh, where it has put me. It is it's uh, tricky it because it's surprisingly it, so hard. You'll often use like the distant, like the mini um tree, like the the trees to as guideposts. Um, but sometimes that's easier said than done. You know, it's not you can spend you can spot the continent pretty quickly. Uh, that's there's usually no confusion there, but like yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it can be pretty confusing. Yeah, I'm 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 in the starting zone, and one of the there's, there's obviously a tree, but also one of the primary landmarks I I can see is what feels so familiar. But then I remember, oh, these are everywhere, which is those yeah. uh, those uh, yeah. those semicircle uh ruins, like it's like a the side of a coliseum sticking up like a curved like a like a like a bridge essentially. Uh. It's like that, like a like a half of a cup, essentially, mm -hmm. <laughs> like a rim. Those are everywhere in that zone. That is not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like you'll you'll like remember your favorite one, essentially. But but if you look at the map, there's like 300 of them. It was funny, so, too, because when I when I played, I like did really well my first round. You know, I set like five. I, you know, I, I don't remember if I set like five rounds or 10 guesses or like whatever you can set it to. So I did like really well. So I was like, oh man, I'm going to be great at this. And like every attempt I did after that, like I scored worse. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, I picked up my first attempt. I, I guess I'm good now. <laughs> That's just, oh yeah, I'm not not going to be able to do this. There's no way. 
make guess. Let's find out my first answer. I am <laughs> thirteen hundred meters away. All right. <laughs> well then. So uh, that's enough of GeoGuessr. I <laughs> was extremely wrong. But no, it's it's interesting because I obviously it's not an entirely fair comparison because it is an open world, but I it's a stark change from uh there's like there's like two previous criticisms I've made about games in the in the past, which is like one in the hype side this is this is gonna be hard this is gonna sound so unrelated at first. But in the lead up to No Man's Sky's release, mm-hmm. they were they were touting it as being an exploration based game. And it's supposed to have infinite locations and infinite worlds and infinite content all procedurally generated. And I'm like, hang on a minute. These two things don't mean the same. What they, like these two concepts yeah. don't mesh because what we think of as exploration in a video game is not just like vibes. It's not screensaver style like, ah, if I keep going in a direction, more stuff shows up forever, like equally beautiful and meaningless, like forever and ever and ever like exploration usually means like i found the secret warps in super mario world that go to this level and oh my god and here i am and like that's why people and like on that level like that's why people like a lot of the stuff in dark souls i know because every time i ever dare like dark souls 2 publicly everyone reminds me of why dark souls 1 is better for this reason uh for one third of its duration uh shots (laughs) (laughs) shots fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's like dark dark souls doesn't do this as much as you remember uh but like but like having ignoring the interconnection this part uh like the actual explorable levels which demon souls and dark souls 2 do just as much as dark souls 1 like in fact dark souls 2 like that's specifically what i praised about it's like heart heart piece style estes flask upgrades being a reward for that specific style of exploration elden ring being this giant expansive world it kind of just becomes a series of repeating assets and just kind of vibes yeah. based poking around. And every now and then a cool wolf man is, is, is howling up there with a funny Welsh human sounding voice doing a, a woo noise. And you have to esoterically <laughs> figure out how to meet him. But most of the time it is what's slightly damning here, which is that I, I pointed out that one, my, that one, landmark that you that feels like a landmark in that zone which is that you see those those like semicircle ruins that are like a coliseum broken and on their side looking at this geoguessr map that is of a level of detail the game never gives you that mm-hmm. asset repeats like 40 times in this zone yeah <laughs> this zone is entirely that one asset repeating copy pasted over and over again sometimes mirrored but with very little variation and because they just kind of have to fill space and like on the level of like, and this is a, this is a little bit of praise of Dark Souls One because I not I, once again I, I love that game. It's just I think it's the worst one. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I I did this whole thing to try to like as a love letter to the game. I and I encouraged my audience to participate, which is that you just take a piece of paper and just try to draw the game. Like and I don't mean like it's aesthetic. I don't mean like it's monsters. I mean like draw the map from yeah, memory. Draw the aerial view of the map yeah uh-huh. like how well can you do that and i did uh it it, it was very time consuming so I, I i gave it a rest but i did uh i drew the entirety of undead asylum uh firelink shrine uh uh upper undead berg and and all the way through to undead parish uh to the gargoyles and to the blacksmith and all that and like and drew the little leg tried to try to tried to awkwardly with my sharpie draw the multiple floors that lead to like Here's the upside. Here's the up, upstairs part of the parish, and here's the downstairs part that leads to the Titanite Demon and that whole 
just absolute mess but like and like there will be flaws there but it's like a shockingly detailed map to draw from memory mm -hmm. of a game world and i think that there's a lot to be said about uh how like the quality of a game or like how interesting its design is moment to moment on like whether or not you can draw the entire like environment and so on like mm -hmm. i think that like for example the average person who has played Call of Duty Ghosts campaign will struggle to draw the level geometry of Call of Duty Ghosts. But the average person that's played Perfect Dark really remembers some real big chunks of Perfect Dark because mm -hmm. of how important the level design yeah. and objectives are all to the experience. And I just I think it's an, an interesting test. It's, it's like it's like the Bechtel test where it's like it's not inherently an answer in a vacuum. It's just a thing that you can ask about a thing and wonder what that means about it and whether or not that says something about it. And like, yeah, like people will likely be able to draw the map's shape of Elden Ring, especially since it looks like an right, item the in the game or something like, yeah. yeah, but they would like I think people would really struggle to like in any significant detail explain the map of elden ring and they're welcome to try and but like I, I just i think it's much more i think a lot of it sticks in your memory so much less because it's, it's, huge swaths of it are just kind of Same. filler it's just it's just fields yeah. and and to, and uh, a topographic map but some, but not so much like a video game level yeah 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 and i know we're ragging on the map quite a bit but like i i can't stress enough that like the first time i got to lundell i was just like Again, I was enjoying the open world just in the sense that it was a, a change of pace, something different for a Souls game. So I was enjoying like, OK, yeah, th this is a different thing. Like once I was actually like deep into Lundell, I was like, oh, like this is fun because the environment is like great to explore. Like <laughs> this is really cool. I wound up in a weird dungeony area and that the aesthetic of that area feels very different than the above ground and the way everything connects is interesting. And it's like, ah, like th that's when a Souls game is firing on all cylinders yeah. to me. Oh, yeah, like the, the university is such a spike. We're like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying poking around this big lake zone and discovering strange things and wondering how I get on that one ledge that's clearly a level later, but I don't know how to get there and it's driving mm -hmm. me crazy. Uh, but then you get to the university and you're like, oh, this is a Souls level. Oh, look at us yes. go. Yes. And, then you, and it, and it, it, calls so into, it calls into focus the difference between being, being play, the difference between playing like from software's take on Horizon Zero Dawn and from software making a Dark Souls game like yes. as and it, the, it the contrast I don't think is in its favor when it keeps reminding you yeah yeah I mean and to to its credit like you know the open world spaces like if if you pick some of the really openy areas in I don't know like the forest of Dark Souls 1 or like the the big the Farren swamp of Dark Souls 3 where those areas feel a little less cohesive. I mean, they have pockets of like intentional bottlenecks of difficulty, but where it feels a little open and, and less polished, it's kind of like Elden Ring has some open world stuff that feels like a more refined version of that. Um, like, you know, they didn't completely drop the ball with the open world stuff, but it's, it's still just several steps in quality below the really intentionally designed areas. Like it just doesn't compare. Want to fight the tree sentinel again? <laughs> right. What if there was I would have three lost in the connection zone? for a second there? But <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. Are we, are we trying to say something, Andrew. It's been a it's been a, a dense mm -hmm. conversation. 
no it's i i like it's it's interesting to listen to but i i do not have the uh i guess you could say like the passion behind the the inner workings of the soul series i am very much i play the game both uh with a sense of simplicity but i also just deal with the game in that manner too like i don't really think beyond uh i don't really think beyond about why something exists in a souls game and more like well can i kill it and if i can't then i usually kind of ignore it like i i'm not very good at doing people's quests in souls games because there <laughs> is no uh well because there is no like system in place to uh to punish me for not doing it like there's no notification or notice or timer or anything that like really lets me know that I need to be doing something uh, or that I have begun something. And because of that, like because it relies on you to remember this, this huge cast of people in a huge map, I. Oh, it was, un it was like, unusually hard, like even by the yeah, standards it's of just, the series. I, yeah, I just kind of like, I don't I don't fucking know, man. I I don't I couldn't even tell you the name of most places in any Souls game. Like, I don't know their names very much, but I do remember, like, all of the weapons I used. But, like, that's because... <laughs> They're my favorite. I, that's this because, one's named Charlie. <laughs> yeah, it's because, like, that was my goal, right? My goal was, like, always to get a bigger stick to hit somebody with. And so eventually, like, it, you just... I, I found myself just, like, looking at a lot of sticks and going, like, oh, that one's the biggest. And just that's it <laughs> and so like it's it's again it's interesting to listen to like all of these little in-depth nooks and crannies of uh both it's it's creation like why it's made or like it's decisions on what it does with the player but also like it's baffling to me that there is this like i i didn't even think of the game enough uh to think about stuff like this to think like <laughs> It, it, does it matter if you fall off at, at a low life or not like i've never even questioned that thought my first instinct was no, don't go near cliffs and i just moved on from that thought and just, just it's again cliffs like i as a concept yeah like i literally i like play the game like a caveman i'm just wandering around and people keep going like you are not allowed and i just bonk them until they let me go <laughs> and i just keep running and, and everybody's just kind of like i don't know what he wants but we can't stop him <laughs> it's like I because I, I don't even know I don't even know what the plot of like Elden Ring is for example I I don't I don't know what's happening I just keep walking a, and people it's are very like, difficult to to do that like uh but but I but it's my fault too like I'm not engaging with it in any way I'm not going out of my way to to say like remember an NPC's sad tale I I remember like specific stuff but I can't combine it because I didn't go out of my way to like do a lot of these quests which add a lot of depth and nuance to this world which is the story usually like the world is usually the story of souls games and if you're not i feel like if you're not actively trying to prod that information out of the world it really won't tell you it has no interest or obligation to yeah you'll have no <laughs> idea what's going on absolutely <laughs> yeah and so so yeah, like it, it's it's not that I don't have anything to say. It's just I feel bad because I I don't play the game like you guys do. I play it so far devoid of it, like almost uh, I don't know, like almost as if I 
uh, wasn't even I didn't even do this intentionally. Like I just showed up and was like, "Uh oh, I need to get out of here," and I'm just like <laughs> trying to do through it as fast as possible. You're just haplessly um, colliding with this game's narrative and enemies, and be like, oh, I, "I don't even want to be in the story. What's happening?" Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, that, maybe maybe that's an that's accurate role much. play of the protagonist. <laughs> That's very much how I interacted with Demon Souls, um, because I didn't mm. when I played that game, I didn't have any like, yeah, I looked some stuff up on the wikis and I just assumed everyone already knew how everything worked in the game. And it was like, oh, I can look at that for a deeper dive sometimes, but I'm not thinking about the mechanics. I'm not really like caring about any of the details, uh, but I loved the game. I was like, oh, this Demon Souls rules like I, I loved it, but I didn't really sweat the details whatsoever. Didn't really overthink the lore. And then Dark Souls came out and I was started off playing it the same way. But then shortly, like early on in its lifespan, people would be like posting to the subreddit being like, hey, like, what's the deal with this? How does this work? And then I would see like people give like five different answers and realize that like no one actually really knew what was going on. And like, oh, yeah, that, that was the beginning of the end for me where it was like, oh, wait, can we get like concrete answers as to how the stuff works? And like, that's where I got pulled into all of the shit I've been doing. Very much confidently wrong the game. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. It's I, oh. it just makes it so much more scary to me. The idea that it's just I I don't know. Like listening to the idea of someone going like I made a game and I don't even know why I made this feature in the game and I'm like what I what does that mean? How do you do that? How do you just accidentally do a thing? Um, like it's just. I don't know. It's uh, impressive. I mean, the core, like, so the core mechanics of Dark Souls are consistent and straightforward. There's just incredibly yeah, yeah. esoteric I mean, elements that become legend. It's like to like to make it to make it more relatable. It's like when people talk about like I don't even, this is this is cases where I'm not enough in the fandom to even tell you if this stuff's real or legend or not. But like mm -hmm. weird shit about like uh, the van in Pokemon <laughs> and like catching mm -hmm. Mew or whatever, like incredibly strange esoteric things that seem that like, uh, like that, that you used to share, you used to share stories about this stuff at like the schoolyard. Cause everyone was collectively playing this one franchise cause it was so popular, but we were all kids and there weren't online resources about the stuff back then. So it was all like a mystery and dark souls one in particular has such a series of like, malformed half completed ideas that are like that are some of them are really cool and impact the game and some of them are just like interacted with but by, by 0.1 percent of the players and even they don't understand yeah. how they work fully because they're just kind of in there like some of them some of them definitely feel like they were just kind of left in uh, and when they might have been pulled by a different company and so it recreates that kind of mystery and i think some of it's intentional and some of it's maybe not but uh, it's it, a mixed it, bag for sure yeah yeah, like it gives you that weird old Pokemon feeling of like wondering like what the hell the secret is like the legend of Mew and what goes on there and so on because and I don't, and I don't even remember if those legends in Pokemon were intentional or if it was just kids like just spreading creepy pasta style stories about their games all the time because that's just what they like to do. Although maybe it was kind of intentional because like famously the pilot of Pokemon opens with like a a next generation Pokemon that's just never explained at the time. You just see Ho-Oh, and you're like, oh, what? And then no one knows what that is for a while. But it's a... It's oh, a, wow, it's a bird. That's cool. I wonder if I can catch it. It's definitely very much an element you can use intentionally uh, for games. And I think definitely Dark Souls tries to do at least some of that, because 
it is interesting just wondering what a game's quirks are and what its unanswered questions are and this kind of this is there's entire there's an entire industry of mining exactly this about like five nights at freddy's like the question of like is this intentional storytelling is it a weird joke easter egg is this all seeding stuff for franchise entry 5000s payoff or is it just Matt Pat making up fan fiction and then selling it to people <laughs> like <laughs> who knows but it's, uh, it's wild it's very fun to talk uh, about though on the subject of playground video game rumors I have like I distinctly remember I heard the dumbest thing ever uh, when I was in elementary school I remember some kid was claiming that Mortal Kombat had like a nudity code that you could yeah. <laughs> mm, mm. yeah i do remember that i remember that <laughs> it was always weird urban legends about these games yeah that shit's funny yeah i mean there's there was that time right like that it that peak time where the internet wasn't quite as accessible or as uh uh cataloged and so when someone says it's like i saw a cheat or whatever you kind of do have to take it at this like weird 50 50 of like all right, let's hear this cheat, but like I'll try and look it up later to verify. And yeah, just a uh, it's a you get some wild shit. I I I I do remember that. I remember specifically uh people talking about like when the Sims could be nude. And I was like that can't be possible. Like I've heard this jo- I've heard this cheat so many times it doesn't make sense. And then like that was the introduction to me of like no, it's not a cheat, it's a mod. And you're like oh, what's what do you mean you can change the game? You can do that like and then it but it's like stuff like that yeah like someone just tells you and you like have to that doesn't sound real no way <laughs> like <laughs> I, it's not the uh my like my earliest experiences interacting with the internet was to, like to look up video game stuff um because i was, I was born in the mid 80s so by mid 90s you know 10 11 12 years old or whatever there's at that window of time where like a lot of people started getting internet or a lot of places started getting internet, but I didn't have it in the house yet. So like mm. I would ask my mom to take me to the library just so I could use the internet to like look up walkthroughs for video games that I got stuck on as a kid. I'm like, <laughs> that's what the internet was to me in its earliest days. It's like a tool to learn more about the video games I grew up with. It was really funny and well, actually makes a lot of sense in hindsight us. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of an old guy. Everyone yeah. on YouTube is younger than me. And everyone yeah, I'm, 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 done, yeah. in, the, in the furry fandom's way younger. It's yeah, like, no, no, no. I feel I, so I'm, old. I'm an old man. I'm 36. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. I think Colonel's around that age. Yeah. So, but yeah. I, was, I say, oh, wow, like I'm not 32. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a big gap at all. And, but yeah, and, that, Andrew's that, a year older than me. That's that's what was so funny about like the, the early days of the internet it was i can't even remember what those websites were called because this was pre pre game facts i'm sure oh um, yeah oh yeah but i grew up with a lot of the other the other side to that coin is i didn't own any, any consoles growing up i always had to go to friends houses to play like the popular video games uh, i just had amiga computers growing up so like yes <laughs> I, I played a lot of weird like puzzle games or adventure games that like you know no one at school would have seen like i had no one i could talk to like about these games so like it was oh, yeah. just like yeah i would get stuck in a game there was no solution anywhere aside from some games would have like a 900 number you could call for hints or whatever they'd be like in the manual like call this 900 number but obviously my parents were like no like you're not 
spending money on a phone call uh for this so yeah as, as soon as soon as i could look yeah. stuff up online it was like yeah oh, yeah this is this is what i'm doing now <laughs> people's backgrounds can be so informative about just like their entire taste in video games or like why their youtube channels the way it is and so on like just like the era you grew up in what games existed at the formative years and so on like so like us being separated by like 40 years that's like an entire generation of games like it's a different it's an entirely different yeah. contest, especially since I was a, like I was a late a late adopter of PC in particular, uh, and didn't really like I played like on, as first PC games go. I played like some educational games, Age of Empires mm -hmm. two, Diablo oh, okay. two, yeah. and then kind of nothing all the way up until like World of Warcraft years, where suddenly I kind of had a working PC that could play games. Uh, so I was just playing like console games, but I also didn't have like like a, a hyped up friend group of people that followed trends or anything. So like, I wasn't really playing Mario or Zelda. I would, I would be the person coming. Like I did play rareware games, but other than that, I would come home with like mischief makers and silent bomber and the bouncer. And <laughs> it's, I just have a completely different introduction to like all of this stuff. And I think like toaster was online playing like primarily like, like he was like, He's primarily playing like, uh, like shareware games, like yeah, old, oh yeah, totally. strange yep. online yep. free games, and like, like old, like a uh, like stuff that would eventually lead to like influencing stuff, like like I guess like off and Lisa and and some of these other like very specific, like he had, when I when, when I encounter certain specific games or like discuss Echo for example, uh, he comes back with a completely different lineage for this entire concept of gaming that is entirely a series of names of games I've never heard of before mm -hmm. because he just lived in a different space. It's just wild uh, how this all works. That's great. Yeah, I, I would relate to him a lot with that because I had like my dad was part of like an Amiga users group. They would have like disc swap events, I guess. I never went to <laughs> one of them. Um, but so there's like a lot of stuff. We'd get like copies of games like and shareware stuff. And there's like one game I remember from my childhood that like you know, it wasn't it was not a very well made game. It was definitely like some homebrew type of thing. But I've since like looked for it online and it doesn't it's not acknowledged anywhere. So it's like, oh, man, somewhere I have like some lost media like Amiga game because it's literally it's ungoogleable. It doesn't exist in any Amiga games database. So it's like I know I'm not making this up in my head. Like I remember <laughs> the name of the game and like what it looked like. Uh so it yeah, such I definitely... it's such a specific experience when you have like these really strange memories that you can't quite put back together and you try to figure out whether or not you imagined a game or not, basically. And then one day you're watching a video essay and like its music shows up in the background and you just like, hang on a minute, what's yep. happening here? Yep. Anyway, that's probably, probably like enough that. discussion of Dark Souls, which I hope, yes, I hope yes, it yes, comes yes. across that that was all... This was all the specific kind of criticism you can only have of a thing you love. Like, we're oh, yeah. Really oh, yeah. In, we're in too deep about these games. So we're discussing we're discussing Dark Souls the way that Overwatch players discuss Overwatch, basically. Uh, yeah. Whereas like, well, you're still playing Overwatch. I'm like, yes, I am. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I mentioned Echo and I kind of wanted to poke at that more, actually. Sure. Yes. Echo is awesome. I, I should uh, get, share a little bit about my background. Um, I've never like identified as furry. Furry ad adjacent is a term I've heard thrown around that might apply to me, I think. Um, but I followed you some years back without 
actually engaging with your content at all. I was making a Dark Souls Dissected, and I was looking for footage of um, something that would be relevant in one of my videos. And I think just from the brief, like, you know, 30-second segment I watched of your video, when like, I was clicking around, I was like, I hit the subscribe button, because I figured, like, oh, I like this guy's vibe, so uh, maybe I'll check out stuff later. Then I never did. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I never watched any of your dark souls what? let's plays like I, I didn't watch any of them and then more recently in recommendations it's just like scrolling through youtube like I, I watched a lot of youtube on the tv and uh just like going down and down and like then i see these thumbnails pop up for like i'm like is this a free dating sim i'm like what is this and i see it's someone i'm subscribed to and i'm just like that seems interesting. Let me check this out. So I find it really <laughs> funny that like we both are huge like Dark Souls nerds and everything. Uh, but that's not how we crossed paths. I, <laughs> it was because yeah. of your Ad Astra playthrough that like I clicked on that because I was like, what, what's this game with this kind of hot furry guy? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> you you and, uh, brought in by Amicus. He's irresistible. And uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's something that resonated for me. I've never played any uh, virt virtual novels before. I grew up with like adventure games, like Secret of Monkey Island, like those kind of games. Um, but yeah, I've never played a, a virtual novel. I've never played a dating sim. Um, so, so it's all, so all the stuff is yeah. And so like <laughs> completely like, alien for me. Not too long after I just watched one of your videos because there's like because you have this this re this resurgence of like all these like Elden Ring videos to go through and so on. Then it's just a whole new world of stuff to try to unpack for you. Like I'm then playing Bloodborne with Bird in like the the cathedral ward or whatever, and we're just like struggling through this weird experience of like trying to go through the forest and everything. And try, I'm trying I'm trying to play this game I half remember while trying to guide someone that doesn't know what they're doing. And we're trying to just in this very specific context of like these two hour streams we do once a week. So it's like a press there's like a time pressure to like try to do it and make progress each week, or it's like kind of a, a, a wash. And then you just start talking in my chat and, and i'm like i recognize this name <laughs> it's, not, it's a very unexpected appearance and then that's funny yeah i'm trying to put a bloodborne chat but i'm i'm here to be like hey man like these for visual novels they're pretty great yeah, you bring up that i'm the reason you you've like read through both ad astra and echo and i'm echo. like this is a, yeah. this is so much to unpack <laughs> so yeah. quickly where i was like hey the uh one of the more clinical like dark souls like information-based youtuber people knows you exist just showed up in your stream chat in real time not even your comment section or whatever and is saying that you're the reason that he's watched he's read uh like a, a, a sum of gay furry literature because of you that like is greater in word count than like the odyssey <laughs> yeah hell yeah man yeah, it's, <laughs> it's all your it's all your fault, and I thank you for it. it it's it's, it's so good. It's it's all so good, and I I'd say, I that's why I was on such a mission to make a video after the the Lego she one just to like explain like, I know I need to convince people at Astra is actually interesting like as not just like it's not good for a furry visual novel. It's genuinely really interesting and well made, and like stands as a piece of art that no one will look at outside of this really specific niche fandom. Yeah, uh, it, it, it it what really worked for me. It's something you talked about a little bit in in the in your video essay, just about like sort of like the the bluntness and grossness to how how the scene opens up, where it's like he's it injects this thing into your brain, and it's like it's like a touches of body horror, and I was just kind of like, oh, like it's even such a it, hook. It, 
Yeah, it has this setup where it's like a will they, won't they. So, you know, it has this like romance dating thing in the background, which is kind of interesting to me because, again, I, I haven't played dating sims. And as a lot of gay people can relate, like a lot of media doesn't cater to your interests. You know, like we grow up watching movies that are very much catered to a heteronormative experience. Oh, yeah. Like we, so we, it's we kind both of like to the 90s where queerness was a joke. To exactly. be disgusted by and then that was the only appearances we had in almost anything besides being cool disney villains right and and so part of me was open to the idea i'm like would i even be interested in this as like a wishful fulfillment dating sim type of thing like maybe that would be like that's kind of interesting um but i was so pleased though that it was a lot more than that and that it was like a lot weirder and darker than that because that's that's the stuff I, I, that really resonates with me like i want oh to, yeah I want to walk away from these things like feeling like a little unnerved and creeped out and not like, oh, yay, like I, I just had a hot date with my wolf boyfriend or whatever. But <laughs> oh, yeah. And like and like and, and I, I because there's a you, you got to you got to get attention. You got to be inflammatory a little bit when you make videos with your titles and, and thumbnails. So I was like, ah, this is the best visual free visual novel ever made. And that makes people argue with the title a bit. Uh, and one of the inevitable things is that people bring up Echo a lot because that's the other game that is often more highly regarded as mm -hmm. art from the same developer. But it's also like, and it, like, it, and it is genuinely fantastic. But it's also more bloated and more clumsy and more like mm -hmm. explicitly made like over the course of like almost a decade, like by several yeah. different people over, and people who are changing over time and so on. And like, like, like it's like to like to like to discuss that game. I'm sorry to constantly quote McSkinny from from the chat logs, but like 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 we were recently praising how well written the chunk of Echo was in an episode, and he's like, "Oh, I just skip all of that. I was cringing so hard. I wrote that entire part in one afternoon on Adderall." Like, <laughs> like, like the artists behind it kind of ties into the Miyazaki stuff a little bit, but like the artists behind this stuff are much less like concrete and intentional and like masterful about all the stuff necessarily like they're often like oh god that's in the world forever i wrote that even the even with the good stuff it's just kind of all over the place but like ad astra has such a masterful intro and bait and switch and just like it knows how to catch your attention and like i have definitely started like 10 different furry visual novels where it is incredibly you, you just sit there wondering like when does anything happen like, what, mm -hmm. when does something interesting happen that hooks me into a character or a person or the world or something? But, like, Ad Astra so masterfully sets up this idea of, like, here's all these, like, the like the, the, like the, uh, the store page is, is just bait. It's just all, like, innuendo in every screenshot mm -hmm. and a bunch of hot dudes and hints at the idea of, like, oh, what's going to happen with these characters? But it opens with it opens with an abduction body horror sequence and attempted and attempted manslaughter yeah. and near incineration and like it's it goes so quick so fast while constantly what, that, layering questions and not answering them until later that like it's a it's a fantastic narrative hook so many people need to learn from this smut that's part of what hooked my attention too yeah for the attempted murder too i'm just like oh you you literally just tried to kill that person i'm like that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> the protagonist tries to kill yeah. the the character the that is the yeah. advertised love interest the reason you would download the game is because this character is supposed to be the character you date and like he almost dies and it's yeah. intense and it's very much like it's very much not like some kind of sort of accident or misunderstanding it's like very much like the protagonist is trying to kill this man mm -hmm. <laughs> and he kind of and he very nearly succeeds 
What a, what now, an I absolute will, trip. I will say that I think I, I think I prefer Echo overall, but it's definitely like you said, it's more bloated and a lot more unpolished. Uh, I feel like it has lower lows uh, than uh, than Ad Astra has. Um, but like whenever it's leaning heaviest into its horror elements, uh, that's like when it really pulls me in. Like, oh yeah, this this is this is what I want. Um, so you know, I know you have a couple routes to go, so yeah, I'll say any specifics or whatever. But um, yeah, I I just I like that feeling of feeling like unnerved, creeped out uh, from these stories. So yeah, yeah. The, the idea, the the bait and switch that both of them sort of do this will they won't they sort of thing uh, between Chase and Leo, like. <laughs> It just I love how far south that goes. Just like like any oh hope goodness. of this relationship working out just utterly tanks. And like, that's what makes it so cool to me. Because I'm just like, OK, cool. Like they didn't they weren't they wanted to do something else other than indulge in this. And uh, that's what makes it work for me. I really think it's worth interrogating too. discussing it. It involves too much spoilers, but there's just there's so much interesting uh, parallel between Amicus and Leo almost as if one character was written as a response to the other one, like iterating mm -hmm. on the idea in certain ways to the point where really specific things are in common. And I'm just, I'm fascinated by that. And it's definitely coming up if I ever have, if I ever, ever finish this nightmarishly long game and then write about it, which involves playing the whole thing again, at least once. Ugh. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a lot to get through, but uh, it's, it's wild. But, uh, the uh, this is this is sort of a spiritual success, uh, success for the last podcast, which is that I don't know if people know this about you, and I'd I'd feel slightly iffy on revealing it if it wasn't just right there in your Twitter bio. But you are mm -hmm. gay. Yes. If that wasn't clear from the yeah. conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh my god, I am big revealed. Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing because like I, I make sure to put that because I've been out for a long time. I've been out since I was like twenty three, um, or so 22, 23, I don't know, somewhere around there. But um. I sort of I have some awareness that like I don't really engage with the stuff I make. There isn't really queer content in my Dark Souls videos. And I've slipped in a few innuendos and jokes here and there, but it's like, you know, one joke every like what out of four hours of content or something like. Uh, so it's kind of in the background, but I, I made sure on my like Twitter bio, just like oh, I want to put that up front so like people know who I am a little bit more as a person. Because uh, if you don't put that stuff out there. Like, you know, I, I hate this whole the, the homophobic crowd always has a thing where they they'll allege gay people of that being their identity. And I feel like I would be yes. the exact opposite of that. <laughs> I have a whole YouTube channel, hours and hours of content where like people don't know that about me. But if you don't put that out there, like you get some real weirdos showing up like to like say some pretty messed up stuff uh, and even thinking, having the audacity to think that like, you might agree with them. Oh, um, yeah. No, like the. Uh... And like that happened the moment I started doing even discussing anything about being gay and furry and so on. Is mm -hmm. that like immediately it's like this is your entire personality. And I'm like, I you're saying this to me on my Let's Play channel where I'm making the same content I've made for the last decade. I yep. just also acknowledge this thing sometimes. And that's my whole and it's like it's not my whole personality. It's that you're so homophobic and fixated on this that it's the only thing you think about every time it comes up. It's like when you watch a two hour yeah. video essay and then one political topic comes up for 10 seconds and that's the entire video's topic somehow in your brain because like, that's just how yeah. hard people fix it on this stuff. And like, I was sent, uh, I was sent a screenshot of a, a moderation interaction you probably had with people because they reacted to me, my presence in your content. Uh, so someone, yeah. 
some mutual viewer of ours uh, spotted that and, and and shared it in my Discord. Or like people are like, oh, you better watch out for that Keith guy. And I'm like, all yeah, right. So I haven't even had a conversation with you about this yet. But no. um, yeah, so like I posted to my community tab or whatever being like, hey, check out like I joined Keith's stream for like some Let's Plays or whatever. And so I had like three people show up to like I, I didn't share it with you because I didn't want to like put those negative thoughts in your head or whatever. You know, sometimes like spreading that stuff's annoying or whatever. But like people were like trying to warn me about associating with you because you're a gay furry. And I was just like. Oh yeah, my god! Like and some of them were warning you about like SJW type stuff, basically. Like they were hitting. Yeah, oh, you can like, tell. You can tell from his interactions, like he's some kind of leftist or something. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, these people have no idea who I am if they think that like they could like warn me about associating. Like I'm kind of like I said, I'm kind of an old dude. <laughs> I'm pretty far left politically. I'm gay. Uh, just because I don't talk about it in my Dark Souls videos doesn't mean I'm not like some like. You know, it doesn't mean I'm a blank slate where you can just show up and like say homophobic stuff and think I'm going to agree with you. Like, that's crazy. Um, yeah, like for me, I was bracing myself because I was like, OK, here comes like someone on the Internet who's mad at me. What's it going to be? Was it my take about this or that piece of media that because people hold that against you somehow? Or like, is it going to be like, oh, because like I've uh, I have I have responded when I shouldn't in the past. And yeah. so I've gotten in arguments in my comment section and it's a bad yeah, it look. Happens. Like I've had I've had bad look moments throughout my career on YouTube where I look like a dickhead and that's fine. So I'm just like, OK, which one is it now? Which very specific per thing does this person remember? And they just feel the need to warn people about because they're just that online. And so when it was that <laughs> when it was the furry stuff, I was just so funny to me that they're like they're like warning someone like that's like this horrible secret that was going to come out is that the like thing that deal. I am openly branded as is a, is a thing to discover about me. Like that would be a deal breaker to me. Like I said, just yeah. because I've been existed in a furry adjacent like pocket or whatever, like doesn't mean like I used to be in a band where like are the band leader lead composer was a furry. Like <laughs> this awesome. isn't something, this isn't something new to me. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> so yeah, seeing that reaction was like bizarre to me. And it's sort of like, at some point, you know, I I feel almost more obligated to, like, increase references in my content in some way just to make sure I'm not, like, relying on the audience too much. Because I don't want to cater my content to people who, like, would hate me for who I am. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, it, it's yeah. rough because, like, when you do it, you do end up having to engage more often with the people who will treat you poorly for yeah. being the way you are. And yes. that sucks. But also you bounce these people off, which is nice, but also like, yeah, and like I, I've baited this on purpose a few times. Like I, there's a scene in The Last of Us Part Two where they, they where the queer couple encounters a homophobic character in, in the like near the intro. And I entered the I, I, I did one of my like basically like stop the game podcast moments just in react to that in reaction to that. And uh, and I did. I also did a similar thing where I did a whole breakdown of like the uh of the uh, the racist mug that you find in Disco Elysium at the beginning of the game. In both these cases, I do a big breakdown where, it, as a result, it's very obvious where my leanings are and so on. Mm -hmm. And then I just set that episode's comments to moderate all comments mode <laughs> because it just baits all the worst people to just out themselves. And I can just sit there and just ban people and just yeah, not I, let any of the comments actually be channel. visible. Yes, yep. it's, it's so good. Because one of yeah. the worst things that happened... Like, and you hinted at this a second ago, like a really revolting feeling is when someone says something awful 
under the uh, impression that you're going to agree with them. Yes. Like, it's very much like you're in a weird, like you're in a, a room of people. <laughs> it's a very specific thing to say, but I'm sure you know what I mean. It's like when you, it's like when you're in like, say like uh, some kind of social context full of people that you don't know that well, that are like friends of friends of friends or like some sort of like family relation at some party that you don't really know anyone at or something. And then someone just kind of like says something super homophobic or racist as like a, a like a joke and then looks around looking for like uh like confirmation and like camaraderie yep. and expecting it because they're sure that everyone agrees with them and you have that uncomfortable moment of everybody uh everybody kind of laughing along and wondering whether or not they're being polite or playing it off and, and they're bothered by it or everyone genuinely agrees with the horrible thing you just heard because that's just a thing that happens just mm -hmm. in 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 circles you just encounter moments like this and sometimes you're the target of the thing but no one in the room knows that and yeah. it's just like a revolting scenario to be in and as a youtube content creator people get this like parasocial bond to you and they because they like your content, they kind of project all of the blanks they don't know about you to be like them and that you generally agree on things. And so they'll say horrible things and th then be surprised if you don't if you don't go along with it. And it's not it's horrible. It's like yeah. I actively want it's, to filter worse. out people it's, like that. It, it, it's, it's worse. It's much worse than someone just directly saying hateful things at you. Like because because, it, you know, someone saying mean things to you about you is just kind of like all right well that person's just an asshole but like someone thinking that you might be on their side with them on the subject is more like oh crap like i've cultivated like an audience who doesn't like wouldn't actually like me as a person that's kind of like you know again I'm, at the end of the day i'm making videos about dark souls mechanics it's pretty apolitical i would say overall uh you know like it's just about game mechanics, so you don't have to agree with me on everything to enjoy my content. That's not the issue, but it's like the second you're going to like leave comments for me to read about like, yeah, warning me about someone being gay or something like that. It's just like it's insane. It's ludicrous. Um, so, yeah, that feeling, like you said, of being able to like. Sort of see who reacts that way and just do like a mass purge. It's very. Yes. Uh, it feels good. <laughs> it feels good to do a purge. And I just I, I've done that on Twitter. Like I said, it's that's in my bio. I post more freely on there because it's just like whatever shouting into the void kind of website don't get to do that on twitter as much but i mean on youtube as much but that makes me realize like yeah i definitely i'm in a phase where like I, some more purging probably has to happen you know just because of like <laughs> interacting with people that way is just not pleasant looking forward to the blythe video <laughs> there we go yeah, all right there's, <laughs> there's your gay content elden ring video <laughs> Yeah, so no, when, uh, no, there's very little access to actually bridge those topics at all. Like, oh, if, totally. especially as somebody who's, who's doing like mechanical, like wiki style breakdowns. Like, it's just there's no, there's almost no overlap between these concepts. It's just yeah, very difficult. Yeah, I, I think to I do. did like in one video I talked about like twinking, like invasion mechanics, and I was like, uh, you know, not the other, not to be confused with the other type of twink or whatever. Like, like uh, some <laughs> stuff like that has been sprinkled to my videos, but it's it's pretty few and far between. Let's see, because you didn't you didn't make the you can ride Blythe video, did you? That's someone. No. I think that was someone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think that was probably a Zuli video. Who is also a great, uh, fantastic uh, Souls content creator. She's yeah. out of mind, and she's like, she's way deeper. That's that's a kind of funny thing with my content. That's not bringing things back to Dark Souls too much. But I'm not a programmer. 
and I'm not really adept at hacking, so it's really funny that like I position myself to do like these deep dives into the mechanics because it's just like uh, I'm kind of dumb. Like <laughs> I, I've 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 I'm proud that I've been able to think of like clever testing solutions to figure out how things work. But at the end of the day, like when it comes to like really doing a deep dive, like I'm gonna hack into this to figure out how it works. It's like uh, I have to like talk to other people in the community because like yeah, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Um. But yeah, Zuli put out that fantastic <laughs> thing about writing. I think she had a series of videos about like different things you can ride with some yeah. alterations to the code. And <laughs> you can ride Blythe, apparently, which to a lot of people, uh, they would mean they wish they could do that in a very different way. But <laughs> it's just you clip into him and he runs around. <laughs> Have you like seen any of the sounds while you do that? <laughs> well, they just, I think they just essentially found like there was like an anchor point. Uh, there's an anchor point that allows riding like with torrent essentially uh but with mm -hmm. other creatures and you can hack it to start working but it off but it's incredibly jank in many of the cases because like, it just absolutely is not implemented in many cases but it makes you wonder you, what they had planned for Blythe. <laughs> i was gonna say have you seen the um like that official licensed like elden ring manga like the scenes with Blythe in that yeah where he's just he they, they lean in hard to his his like fandom himbo persona essentially himbo status time is like a million they went for, yeah. for that comic and it's kind of amazing <laughs> they oh, made it's, him it's, incredibly it's so stupid much. <laughs> it's just gonna make it sadder that uh how that turns out but i got i guess yep. that's like a comedy comic though so i don't right even know where it'll ultimately go i'm just frustrated that it's like a web only thing and like chunks of it disappear and only some of it's available at a time. And I'm like, just let me pre-order this. Just just send it as a, just send me the book, please. I just yeah, want to have I, a copy I, of this. I have no idea what the release is. Like I, like I've seen just the random screenshots on Twitter. So yeah, I have no idea what the release of that even looks like. Yeah. No, there was a, yeah, the, uh, the internet was on fire for a bit in certain circles when they released the, uh, the, that specific Blythe intro issue. Oh, I can imagine. It's a, just his entire his entire characterization was like, <laughs> like he was. They gave him dog behaviors, like he would chase balls and things. You're like, what are they doing? Amazing, oh, fantastic. Amazing. That's one of my favorite storylines in an, a Souls game. Honestly, like the uh, how they handle Blythe and Ranny and everything, and, and it's mm -hmm. one of my ongoing things is like, like Toaster is somebody who somehow like picks up this encyclopedic understanding of the narrative on his first try playing through one of these games. Uh, and I don't understand how that's possible at all. I have no idea how he can tell what's happening. Uh, but the big exception for me is that like, I I'm always confused by the narrative of souls games, but I like, I get attached to all the individual characters, which are often very divorced from the actual narrative. They're just also bystanders and stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and and victims and this whole thing in a way that's similar to you and and there's even like a, a consistent contract you're you're, de you're dealing with 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 uh from software where you just know these all end badly none of these characters yeah. have happy endings yeah like out of principle seemingly like there's this very berserk commitment to the idea that this is not going to end well for anybody and so when they introduce a character like onion knight or Blythe, you're like oh, okay here we go fuck <laughs> yep. yep there's no happy ending here and they're no just and every, every interaction you like them more and you're like no please stop but those are those, those are what get me invested in the narrative or a part of the narrative at least is that 
seeing those characters and 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 uh, getting attached to their stories and their quirks is very interesting and that, that makes it a little more frustrating that in Elden Ring it's so hard to do quests like yeah there's like three different characters who their quest line is like half their quest line is them teleporting all over Leonie of the Lakes in random yep. directions and you have to just somehow find them and I'll just be honest I cheated <laughs> I, I when I was making my let's play I just like pretended to discover them like oh wow is there's there you are and just kind of like tried to make it feel like uh, a gameplay thing and not just me like doing a video guide because it's essentially what i was doing was just looking up on the wiki where everyone is because i just wanted to make any progress and it's like it's i think it's kind of the detriment that they handle it that way because that's one of the most relatable parts of a souls games narrative is the people that are in it because you can see like like the lady with the with the eyes the the shabriri grapes like that is a clear through line that is understandable by an audience member even if they don't even know what half the words involved mean they're just like oh here's a very clear this person believes this and their belief is being tested and shaken along these paths and then there's a revelation at some point and then there's a response to that revelation and that's kind of the arc that each of them has as across the board with these characters and missing those i feel like you miss a huge amount of the narrative and like why you would be invested in in an elden ring but mm-hmm. missing it isn't your fault either like if they're act they're actively impossible to follow yeah and I, I forgot who said this but i remember someone was criticizing it and it, it i felt like they hit the nail on the head it's like nbc quest lines were already tricky to manage in souls games to begin with right like it was easy to mess them up um or just like miss out on them now take that same system don't make it any more accessible than it previously was but now put it into an open world game where it's even like easier to miss out on them when they move somewhere else to another location like oh why would why would i go back to this one cave you know like uh you know i might miss out on whatever bach is up to in his storyline um like yeah it's just it's, it's very easy to like it was already easy in dark souls and demon souls to just whatever like not have a npc storyline progress all the way um but yeah now very in elden ring it's like it's a lot if you don't you need a guide to yeah. progress the npc quest lines you need a guide like it's rough that solaire teleports to like that one statue that's broken or how uh Ziegmeier mm-hmm. teleport or zigmeyer teleports to like the uh blight town <laughs> out of nowhere uh yeah yeah he winds up in the like, swamp yeah like zones you would not play in that order in almost any playthrough basically uh so they're like they're very difficult to get the entire narratives out of on that level but that's within the context of like here is a world where there's like like a dozen zones at play realistically and they're largely placed in places you would reasonably access for some reason even if the play order is weird so like if you're searching it's at least doable but Lyurne of the Lakes is an incredibly massive area with almost no landmarks besides the fact that you're going around the rim of a lake mm-hmm. and characters just kind of warp around every time you talk to them, not even proceeding in a particular direction. And like they don't like the like like the pilgrimage lady isn't like following like a specific path for her specific pilgrimage that's like traceable and comprehensible to the player. She's not showing up at like. I think at one point she might show up at like a cathedral or at a, a destroyed a destroyed church, but for the most part they don't show up anywhere you would recognize, and some of them are even actively hidden. Yeah, 
to the point where like you'd go to the spot and not be able to find them. Uh, if I remember correctly, I missed the uh, I miss. Uh, there's a few storylines I failed because I didn't uh, start looking them up soon enough, basically. Uh, to, and one of them was very rough. One of them was the golden mask guy because mm -hmm. and that was bad because I had, I was trying to do faith build and, and that you need to get through his storyline to gain access to some of the best spells for that. Uh, the, the the obvious part is when the the faith guy from the beginning of the game shows up with him at a bridge that you you will reasonably find in that in the zone before the mate the capital of the city the the capital mm -hmm. city like that's normal he's like that's a very easy place to find him that bridge is a landmark but his next location is like a super secret weird ledge behind a coliseum that's also itself like an esoteric secret to get to in the first place and not. There's nothing pointing you there and you don't have to find that place to finish the zone. And if you don't find him before doing a certain story beat, he just dies. And you're like, oh, well, I just missed that then. And like, yep. uh, or like the dragon slayer guy. He's like, I am the dragon slayer guy. Saw you beat that dragon. Anyway. And like, I never met that guy again. <laughs> like, yep. like he's, he's, he's got a guy, Thanks. there's a guy with a funny hat. Uh, there's, there's the guy with the funny hat. That, and he talks about dra slaying dragons. Never seen him fight a dragon, but he's near a dragon at least. And then later on, I'm going towards where Patches is, and I get ambushed by somebody. And if you check my footage, you see the dialogue on the bottom of the screen from that guy, who apparently counter invades to help you with the invasion. But the fight was mm -hmm. over so fast that I didn't see him or meet him. And the next time I meet him is just after his storyline's over, and he's now been replaced by a new character. Uh, because I was supposed to find him hidden behind the teleport glyph on the broken bridge by the university. Yeah, like, yeah. Like one of the most secret places to, the, and like, and then you're introduced by the, to those teleport glyphs by one of them being on a solid wall you can't walk through. So it feels counterintuitive that you can even walk through those in the, without getting teleported. So I didn't even know you could go behind the glyph, and mm -hmm. to point to that. Uh, going backwards down the ramp towards the first uh, to reach the backside of the first glyph is itself an overgrown unvisited area with a, with a reward at the end like it's a secret so on one hand they treat going past the glyphs like a secret but on the other hand they put a an npc interaction required to proceed a story behind one and like at some point i'm like they're doing this on purpose i guess i don't know what the, yeah i'm not clear on their goal honestly it was definitely on purpose because uh... As much as they streamlined things for Elden Ring, they did not streamline uh, NPC yeah. quest line accessibility, and, uh, and yeah, that's that's like a, like I don't know what what the sweet spot for that would be because again, rewarding exploration. It's cool to have secrets and have higher stakes for the secrets secrets sometimes. Like you know, to have an entire area like Ash Lake gated behind a secret area is pretty cool, and you know. I, I could see that being extended to some NPC quest lines, but it's like I, you also need to have enough content that's also not done that way to be satisfying. Um, Which I think to some extent is Ronnie. Like to the right. point where you can literally uh, the entire first half, practically, maybe not half, but all of the opening steps of the Ronnie quest chain are optional and you can just skip them and you still continue the storyline, which is often not how these work. Like good right. luck. Good luck experiencing Jarburg accidentally, <laughs> like mm -hmm. not finding it, but encountering any of its narrative because it involves NPCs from like three different zones done in a specific order without this stuff happening or else somehow I actually don't know the answer anymore still of how to 
make the Jarbrook storyline happen where the guy from that other zone comes over and has a whole character arc there or something. Uh, But like Ronnie is Ronnie has a similar level of opaqueness where uh, the character herself only shows up in a specific location at a specific time of day after a specific threshold has been met. Uh, And then Blythe requires you to go to a specific ruin uh, hear him howling, then go back to a specific NPC that you have no reason to think is attached to him and is not nearby. And also you don't necessarily even have reason to think is a character that will get more dialogue. Ask him about the the howling you heard. He teaches you to whistle and then you go yep. back to Blythe and whistle. And then everyone has their, their hubba hubba moment where the character jumps down and is twice as tall as them and speaks with a nice soft voice. And you're like, I'm I'm having complicated feelings right now, but uh, that's entirely optional. And a huge number of people that played the story and even finished the Ronnie quest chain never encounter either of those introductions, whether you meet Blythe or Ronnie. Instead, you can uh, just walk into their building and just meet Ronnie there. And Blythe is a hologram along with the other characters. And so I, I don't think you can meet any of those other characters early. I don't think that I, that I missed them. Like the, I don't think you meet the giant early or anything. They're just, you meet them as holograms. Then you talk to them later, but I remember forgetting and, with the black, with the, with the giant. Um, yeah. The blacksmith that's always reading and yeah. then the mage. That's just a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's such an asshole. <laughs> I think, I think, I don't think you meet any of them earlier, but like in, the, in those cases, it's kind of like a moment of like, Blythe is like a character you can have more background with optionally, essentially. And that's kind of interesting. Like you can meet him as just one of the many people as as part of Ronnie's ensemble when you arrive at her base. Or you could have done an entire quest line with him already where you help him go after. I'm looking for a man named Darrowill and all that and just go on a whole thing with him. And that's like in in a way that's kind of cool that you can have this additional background. Just like I, how, think, I think that's cool. yeah. Just like how it's a secret that you find him in the vault because he gets locked into Daryl's uh, spot later, and it's a completely missable element of the narrative that will still proceed if you don't find it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very much the way to handle it. If they could find ways to like some of the NPC quest lines where like you miss out on a ton of stuff if you don't do it in the correct order and find all the little things that you have to do. Like it would be nice if they found a way to incorporate them more deeply into the story where it was easier to run into them at certain points for certain things, just to sort of pull them into your consciousness a bit more. Um, But yeah, Elden Ring is for the most part, doesn't make much of an effort to do that. And part of the struggle for me is that like the world is so open and like on one hand, I have an issue where I'll just ignore signposting and be like, what's over here and go off for two hours. But on other hand, situations, I feel like I followed signposting too hard and got punished for it because like Ronnie, they they gave you this like very specific way to meet Blythe and Ronnie optionally early. And for a lot of people that encounter with Ronnie, it's like one of the cool elements It's like this weird multi-armed dolly just shows up by your your bonfire and you have this very strange interaction in a place that seems designed for you to be there. This might be an, in, an, an instance of like how Souls games often feel front loaded with higher quality, higher developed content that has more mm-hmm. attention put to it. And then as you go on, it gets more sparse. But like that first bond, that first, not the first bonfire itself, but the first uh, 
the ones that that's in that little broken church yeah like you have a special merchant with tons of dialogue that none of the other merchants will ever have you have secret encounters with Ronnie. You're going to most likely have several conversations with your, uh, I, I want to say my firekeeper because I'm so bad at updating my dialogue from game <laughs> yeah, to sure. game. Firekeeper is good. That but works. Like, but like you have so many unique interactions in that one specific church that makes it feel like a special location. Uh, but it's a, it's a big old open world. So like you're not, it feels like they designed the zone so you're going to specifically go on expeditions then go back to that location to rest over and over again and level up like it was your like that was that place feels like firelink shrine yeah in some previous version of the game that didn't have round the round table or something and didn't cover the map with 500 warpable spots that all have equal significance and there's no reason to go to a specific one ever yeah uh, and I, I i think their best handling of all of this in a late game area is volcano manor uh, I basically it boils down to like there just there should be more volcano manners in the yeah. world. I think like, that's I think that's kind of what it comes down to. More places where NPCs you might have missed might congregate or wind up or whatever. Um, there should be more. But it, it's just it's basically you have like the round table hold. You have volcano manor as like these two places where there's a bunch of NPCs and then everything's very, very sparse outside of that. Yeah. And like part and of my issue with yeah. that zone was the fact that like they they feel like they set up that one specific church to be so important in a firelink kind of way. But if you don't play exactly the way you want, they want you to, uh, you just break it <laughs> like, yeah, within five minutes of starting Elden Ring, basically, you can just be in layer layer of the of the lakes. And it's not even unreasonable to do so because that's just where the road leads that you're mm -hmm. at at the beginning. And so if you just happen to go up that road that goes along the cliff and some tornado wolves jump at you and stuff, which is very funny. Uh, <laughs> and and if, and if you do what I do, which is you just don't happen to notice the turn off that leads to this like, big castle and you end instead end up going through the archway into Lyurnia and be like, oh, what's this place? Let's check this place out. You've instantly skipped the beginning of Rani's quest chain and you just don't that you just that encounter is gone now. She'll never show up for you. Like that's like that's, that's kind of a huge bummer. Like that's an introduction to a character, and it feels like they could have uh, they could have uh, scripted her to show up in a number of other locations, all the way up until the moment where you actually arrive at her her keep. But instead, mm -hmm. I think the trigger is that if you go through that gate and arrive at Lyurnia at all, even though you're still a massive distance from where she is, uh, she instantly will never show up now. Uh, and that's just like it's just over and it's just kind of like a I'm just, I'm just so mixed on their implementation of these elements because like it's just it's a strange way to handle it. Like I think about yeah. how like uh, Jedi Fallen Order has like some whoa surprise moments in the middle of its seemingly open experience like that are akin to like how your your firekeeper will now talk to you about certain topics along the way. Like in Jedi, you can just get kidnapped suddenly uh, and that's a bit like the, the Bloodborne thing. But much like the Bloodborne thing, it feels like an incredibly specific interaction with a very specific enemy, but actually that guy's just kind of everywhere. And he could like, everyone has a different experience of getting ki uh, kidnapped into the Hypogean jail in Bloodborne. Mm -hmm. And like, I believe there's different routes you can take through Jedi after you've hit a certain story beat that will trigger uh, your kidnapping at different locations and so on. And so you can have that mix. Ah, that's cool. You can have that mix of like, Oh, this is a surprise that happened when I, when the game design, like your your sense of how game design flows tells you this can't happen, but then it does. But and you do that by 
kind of making it happen in a number of different places. I think about how like and 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 I know that Elden Ring does this knows about this idea because like they did it. Uh, I was I was convinced incorrectly that I did not understand how to, that I had deprived myself of leveling accidentally by not going to that church at the beginning of the game oh, because okay. that's where my that's where my cutscene triggered to activate leveling finally. But it's actually when you like activate X number of graces or something. Yeah, it's like it has to be forget what the exact requirement it is i think lance mcdonald is the one who like first kind of pinpointed that and explained it to the community but i think it's you have to after three graces she's unlocked but it's like only with certain like there are some graces that won't count towards that count yeah um so it's like has to be three but maybe for you it's actually more than three because maybe you went to one that wasn't one of the allowed three <laughs> yeah but there's there's people who there's people who would say this is like counter to their entire design philosophy because they however these games come out is the genius dream of Miyazaki and any other thing would be a counter to their, to his, his vision or something. But I do kind of like imagining a version of Elden Ring where NPCs worked like she did. Yeah. <laughs> or like, as yeah. you like NPCs are tied to specific zones and they sort of appear by graces when you hit certain thresholds and you can like experience a narrative from front to back from these adventurers who frankly, are just kind of floating around a zone and not reacting to the environment and the place you meet them and is not like being remarked upon in the conversation or anything. They're just kind of there. And it's like, yeah, the lady, the lady with the missing arm and the lady with the missing eyes could both just kind of show up periodically at graces as after you rested them, once you hit certain thresholds and you could see those quest lines through. But instead we get this and I'm like, I don't know yeah. if this is better. It's tricky. It's like I said earlier, like it, it, it's it's hard to find the sweet spot because I do like the idea of option, optional missable content. But where the game is currently, uh, do I think that stuff should have been funneled towards the player more? Like, definitely. Yeah, um, it, it's 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 definitely weirdly handled. It, it's it, it's so funny that like the the most emotional resonance that you get out of the game is are these NPC quest lines. But they're very, from software, it seems like very just like, you know, not too concerned whether or not you experience it or not. Yeah. We got, we got, we got back on. Um, we got, we, we got back we got back to Dark Souls <laughs> from software. Sorry about that. We, we, can, yeah. we, we can get right back off that train if you want, though. <laughs> no, you, you guys are good. I mean, don't, you know, don't feel bad or anything. I just, again, I just unfortunately no, Andrew, don't have much to say. Andrew, about how game. is your vacation? You're back. We haven't. It had would... a podcast with the regular cast uh, for like months and still and this still isn't one because <laughs> Colonel's still not here. Well, the uh, yeah, I was uh, it was it was good. It was a nice, fun, relaxing uh, trip. The uh, I so I went to for yeah, for context, I went to Prague for a week um, and mostly I, I just stayed with uh, Nea, somebody who was inside of the discord uh or one of the mods on the discord and um and yeah i was just visiting visiting her again since it's been like i haven't seen her since i moved i moved back from dubai was the last time because in we had the great pandemic so i had no option or opportunity to travel outside of the country again um and so yeah we like walked around a bunch of like a lot the city is very it feels both weirdly small, but it, but when you look at it, it is exceedingly large. 
uh, but also it's easily walkable and just has like trams and metros and crap everywhere it's a very busy place um but also like all <laughs> there's like zero cohesion in its design at all like it's it's one of those countries where people just kept building on top of buildings on top of buildings just being <laughs> like well this foundation's probably good and they just build on top of it and they don't care it's like some roman ruins from like 100 years ago they just built on top of it screw it <laughs> like it's just so you'll see these buildings that are like yeah i i was built in like the 1600s and you'll look at a building that goes i was built 2000 years ago and you're like oh <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and it's like just barely hanging on and then it's it, it but it was interesting um it's cold as fuck i do not like that i am not um, <laughs> i'm not a very good cold person uh, i i prefer this is why i live in california is because i love the sun i love the heat and i prefer the sun being visible like 99 percent of my life <laughs> and so um i'm so, so horrified were, like, to check back and see that you're the farewell stream we did because you were leaving to go to Dubai yeah. is five years old now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel that long ago, but like that was at that yeah. at that at that mark that was uh that was like the seven year mark of us doing YouTube essentially. Yeah, because uh, we started in 2011 on the on the on the Sad Games channel, and so like that was yeah, seven years in, and that was now five years ago. So like it's one of those horrifying things where a, a thing feels relatively recent, but it's actually like the, almost the midpoint of the history of the thing now. <laughs> yeah 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 it's uh it and yeah that's why i was like it's been a while so that like you imagine it's the um yeah it's been it's been a while since i and that was like the last time well no i guess like the last time i traveled out of the country was like in summer of 2019 and that was it like i could not do it again since then or until now basically just because of of a multitude of factors so it was uh yeah so it was, it was nice to leave the, the, the grand old US of A yet again. See a, <laughs> oh no. a, see just a different country. For perspective mm -hmm. of how, how much time has passed. Uh, at the time yep. that you were leaving, uh, Illusory Wall had uploaded his first episode of Dark Souls dissected two months ago. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> this is a thing that that's feels a long time ago. That's something that feels recent. No, my brain. Oh, wow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So it's it, no. So that's it, that it it that just again ex explains the amount of uh like time. Like it's crazy how much time uh had passed since uh I don't know. Like to to, to not see a friend for that long is very weird to me. Um, yeah. Like I I'm I'm traveling. Uh, I'm going to be traveling to Japan later this year uh, because it's kind of at that same level with another friend of mine, Kel uh, and Joe. And I haven't seen both of them since 2019. So like, it's, it's weird to like, when you have friends that are outside of the country, you're suddenly like, Oh, I need to, how do, how do I, I can't just like pop over. It's not just a, you know, can I invite you to dinner or something? I haven't yeah. seen you in like a couple of months. It's like I literally, to to I gotta, that's like you you the, should absolutely. And what, that's like the dream setup is to go with like you and Toaster because like just the the raw <laughs> collective enthusiasm for Japan and also like Toaster is fluent in Japanese. So it's, this is it's that like a really setup. Where I'm like, okay, I'll just go along. Like I could just 
I, 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 I won't be like terrified of visiting this country I don't understand because I'm just surrounded by people that just know way more about it than me and then we can just kind of do a thing with it yeah so it's, yeah you end up in this situation where you're like I don't know what that is and you just point at it and those are just like oh yeah let me just ask <laughs> just like full-on Japanese or something it's it is nicer that way I yeah it's gonna be uh I mean more importantly the it, that is the big problem is that like uh Traveling outside the country is also like kind of hard to do. It's gotten a lot harder as time has gone by because it's just gotten a lot more expensive and planes have gotten a lot more uh, bankrupty. And so, or sorry, I should say airlines have gotten more bankrupty. And so yep. it's like, it's, it's very bad. Like you, uh, like when I, when I went, when I got my tickets, um, it, they can, they have the different levels of economy. Now there's economy where like, you bring a bag like one very small bag for a weekend trip basically and a personal item obviously or you can pay like 150 dollars extra and be allowed to bring one piece of luggage yep <laughs> you're like what <laughs> what the way would happen like if we all just got a caught like the shitty economy would the plane fly faster because it has no weight will we pay less money for tickets because it doesn't need as much fuel like wait a second how does this math work now i'm starting to think you're lying about this like the plane can't fit enough bags in it like what getting getting plane tickets has gotten really weird because i'm going to vegas uh soon um but i haven't flown in like a decade uh so like I was not prepared for like how microtransaction <laughs> buying plane tickets feels like today, where it's just like you said, like every little thing is so much more. How many bags are you bringing to the extent that like, like that used to be a thing, but it is just it's way worse today than it used to be. Yeah, and it's not like. a. It's a it's it's just a, it was an interesting issue to run into being like, oh, I Last time I flew, I didn't really, I wasn't asked this question. No one asked yeah. me if I like, if I wanted to pay less to not bring anything with me. Yeah. Uh -huh. And, uh, but the seats are the same, which is like the most annoying part. The fact that you, yeah, the fact that you are just, it's like they're, it's either they're obfuscating the price of having luggage on your plane, or this is for people who like got lost somehow like they like someone flew from prague to the united states for free or on a boat or just uh on a shipping container and just got lost and needed to get back home and didn't need to bring anything with them they had no interest they, you know they don't have a backpack no clothes no belongings they're just like i just need to get back home like there's no reason why you would have this weird one bag only economy especially uh like Especially with how almost impossible it is to put carry because like everyone brings a carry on bag. Like even if you check yeah. in luggage, you bring a carry on bag. That's like what what it's two pieces of luggage for the price of one. So like the airplanes again don't have more storage. But when you do this, you deny people the access to check in a bag. You like inadvertently create even less space inside of the plane, and so. It's like all the planes I went on, people like struggle to get bags in them because they're just oh, yeah. like, there's, there's no room. And it's like, bro, what, how, 
You, do you know where there's a lot of room? It's below the plane, like in this whole luggage container that they specifically yeah. made. For but they, this so they insist on problem. charging so much for it that no one. And it's also so <laughs> like, if anything, they should charge to take stuff on the plane because it's so inconvenient to deal with the process of retrieving it uh, from under the plane. Like you have to sit there and wait at a place and just kind of pray that no one else steals your bag, and you're just kind of hoping like. It takes long enough that there's this whole anxiety aspect of like, yeah, like, did, did it already go by? Did I miss it? Did somebody leave with it? Is it? Do I still wait? Is it going to be 10 more minutes? What's going on here? And you're like, is my shuttle going to come before or after uh, my bag even arrives from this place? Am I even standing at the right place? You start just wondering at some point. Yeah. But they charge for that privilege. And you're like, what? <laughs> what are you doing to me? But every single, like, I flew to, I flew to Seattle and Chicago this last year, which uh, actually the only times I've ever flown solo. Like, I... I had a bad, I had just kind of a, a dumb, like, absence of trips in general as an adult, where I just, I went on, like, I would say yes to, like, invita invitations to, like, family trips and stuff like that, but I just kind of, like, didn't really fully register the idea of, like, I am an independent adult and can just make vacations, as, as stressful as that process can be, but this year I went to uh, PAX West and Midwest Fur Fest and... That involved solo flying to Seattle and Chicago. And in both cases, both ways, all, like just nonstop, they're like, okay, we're going to have too many bags. If you could please check for, you can check your bag for free. If we have any volunteers, please. Like they, they're, they, they, they have to lean on that so hard because they do not have space for all the bags that they've made the mistake of allowing people on paper to take onto the plane. And, yeah it, it seems like they just kind of create their own problems constantly that they'd have no solutions for and then they just continue doing it every day Airli airlines it are is, bizarre yeah it is very bizarre and uh it's i i do find uh so i specifically for this trip i uh i i had got like a like a nicer backpack to go uh like one of those i basically just went on did research for like people who travel with one bag on trips they do that weird, like, I'm going to, I only need one bag to cross Europe or whatever. And so I was like, all right, I need to, I want to find a back, a backpack like that. So I could put all my clothes and everything that I care about in there. And then I can have one big, nice, empty souvenir bag that I can throw in the plane and get there and just dump full of crap in there that I'm going to smuggle into the United States and bring it back with me. And, um, and, uh, so because I did that, I didn't have as much issue myself being able to find space. I My luggage was like the right size, the perfect size to fit in those compartments. And I would usually uh, I would usually be able to get on fast enough because um, I would more or less just do the thing like you would do if you were waiting for an iPhone. You would just sit in the line and just wait because it doesn't matter, right? Like as they, they have them sectioned off and say like, this is group five and you're group five. So I could just sit in the line for group five. And when they finally call it there, I'm in first. And now I get to walk onto the plane, put the thing in, sit down. Um, but yeah, there was a uh, plane suck. I, I don't recommend taking them unless you have to, in which case still don't take them. Just walk to wherever you want to go. Much better, better experience, much better sightseeing. The, uh, yeah, and so uh, otherwise, like the city city of Prague, um, or so in Prague, we we end up going to a castle, which was uh, like 
big it was a very big castle unnecessarily so and uh it's cooler that the the only cool thing about it is that the president of prague actually lives there so it is he lives like in not it's technically not a castle castle yeah it's not like a castle castle where you can go in there and be like haha i'm in the throne room like i think those elements are there somewhere but they're not accessible by the public and that's not really where he goes but there's like a living quarter section in the castle that is you know modern and with amenities and that is where he lives so like the president's just living in the castle which is cool as hell um except that on the castle grounds is this nightmare looking dark souls terrifying cathedral because this country is full of them and apparently it is like the country of spires and so there are just like constant amounts of dark souls buildings interlaced with a lot of modernist looking normal homes <laughs> and you're just like oh c- cool that's terrifying and there's like gargoyles in just random places and just it's such a it's such a mess thematically i would uh but the uh but inside of this this uh inside it's of this, like when a real life looks like a plot hole yeah yeah exactly it, lo- it almost <laughs> looks like someone asset flipped this country like they just they, they didn't think about it they just bought whatever possible assets they could get and Frog threw is them just into like an a unused city. postal map it, basically it is uh and uh it's so inside so uh we take this we were taking this tour of this castle and there's this like little guide we had that audio guide that tells you about all this fancy information and so we were learning about all this fun stuff like uh one time the castle just caught on fire and in that castle in that fire there happened to be an important record book that just kept all the details of who owns what land in the entire country and apparently no one noticed the fire except for the bishop who saw it like from across the street and was like, that's not good. And like had to run across the street and get the files, just a whole castle. And no one noticed it was on fire. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that went over well at the, at the guard meeting every month. Like I, I can't imagine, but, um, but one of the cool things is that apparently in this castle, in this tomb for this very specific Pope guy, there is, or very specific King, there is a crown that has a curse on it. And the curse apparently yeah. killed a, killed a Nazi. <laughs> like <laughs> There's a, there's like this curse that in this crown that uh, unless you are literally ordained to wear it, which no one apparently has been except for the guy who last wore it. Um, uh, if you are not ordained to wear it, you will die within a year of putting the crown on. And uh, I couldn't get to the crown. I tried really hard. <laughs> I, I was like, you excited like, up. Sweet release. Yeah, I was so I was so excited. I was like, I will take that challenge. There's no way I'm gonna die to no. There's like no way I'm gonna die to a curse, right? I can be, I could beat a curse. I don't know. And you you activate every possible glitch in every other game. Like you're the you're the ultimate I, play tester. You'd be the one to prove it true. I got the I did get a curse on my way home, which sucks. Which I guess is my fault for trying to actually curse myself. I got cursed, which was I arrived back. So when I arrived back into the, I was in the San Francisco airport. I get in, um, and I do the baggage thing. You know, I go through the security. Here's my passport. They, I don't know why they even ask me. They're like, where were you? It's in my passport, idiot. You know how to read? It's right there. Just read the passport. And then I walk out, go to my bag. And in the baggage claim, I'm waiting. 
I see all the baggage go by. And after like 10 minutes, uh, no other baggage comes out. I go, ah, that's, that's kind of weird. Where's the rest of our baggage? Uh, hmm. And so uh, suddenly an alarm goes off and a guy, like two guys in a light and very bright vest come out. And they walk on top of the where the luggage goes and they're going down on this thing and they're talking to each other. And uh, suddenly they start throwing bags from underneath the thing because the luggage the thing that moves the luggage was broken. Um, (laughs) So there was no way to get the luggage out. And so what had to happen was that this very slow, monotonous process of they would, they would step on this specific uh, conveyor belt. They would go down, press a button. It would turn it back on. And then it would start moving really slowly. These luggage, like luggages onto the thing. And then after it does like three of them, then too many pile up and it starts overloading it and it can't move them fast enough. And then the alarm goes off again. And so this process repeats like five times um, with the guy continually going like, okay, I think it's going to work this time. And it still doesn't work. He's very confident, but it never works each time he does it. And uh, (laughs) I didn't see the conclusion because like after the fifth time, my bag showed up and I got to like take it and run out of there. But it was... uh, (laughs) I I, that, I think that was like a brief view into the curse I could have had had I put that hat on. But I was really close. If not, I would probably say if not for Naya being with me on that tour, I probably would have got in there and put that hat on. It was like really easy to get to. Um, <laughs> it was it's it's I have to say it's very ugly. I feel bad for like the Nazi guy being known by dying for wearing the hat because I wouldn't tell people that I died from that hat. That is really, it's a really ugly hat to die from. Um, <laughs> but I, it's like the, the most you know, specific I can't, take you could possibly have. It's, it's so ugly, man. I don't know how to describe it. It's just an ugly crown. I would not like, I don't know if I was ordained my first, you're, what you're saying order, is you wouldn't be caught dead in it. It, yeah, actually, that is true. I would not be caught dead with that hat on, uh, which is why the curse wouldn't work. The the um, it also comes with a really it comes with accessories. It comes with a scepter and a ball. I don't yeah, I was looking at that. It's like it's like the holy hand grenade. Like yeah, it's like, yeah it looks like the holy hand grenade. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very maybe that's the curse. <laughs> Honestly, the scariest thing is the case that the scepter comes in, which looks like an actual nightmare weapon. It looks like a like a Dark Souls club that you would hit somebody with. It's terrifying. I was like, wow, that's that's pretty good. I imagine if someone was trying to steal your scepter, you have a reasonable sheath to kill them with. You don't need to take the scepter out and get it dirty. You can just blunt them with that thing. The uh, I don't know if the ball comes in a case. I don't, I don't think it does. I think it's just always is out. I... I don't know, but, uh, but yeah. And then, uh, I, uh, on the castle grounds, apparently there was a village. There's so, uh, sorry, obviously castles have villages. There's a village in the castle where all the people used to live. Like the, uh, I don't know who works at a castle maids, cooks, uh, the poop shoveler. All of them lived in this little <laughs> village area. And uh, three people go into that. All three of them. Just, I mean, to be honest, there's like 17 homes. So it wasn't that many people. Or or I guess that's all that remained after. When was Prague invented? 
I don't know. Like it's old, <laughs> but but the uh, it, I, it's in. I just I know it was invented by this one king, and I, don't, I can't remember his name now. But he's named after everything. Like his name is on literally just every goddamn like street, boat, building, car. Like just everything has his name on it. It's like all right, I I don't remember it, but he's just <laughs> everywhere. Um, <laughs> Uh, you could tell how uh, how much I really cared about this one particular king, um, but the uh, but yeah, and so like in those homes, apparently, so first thing that stood out was that there's no bathrooms, um, not even like an attempt. There was literally a, a communal bathroom for the entire village that was outside of the village, which sucks if it rains. By the way, you have to just in the rain walk to take a shit, and I don't feel like that's very motivating. But also. The uh, apparently the villages was in use until like nineteen, like nineteen twenty or something like that, like fairly recently, which is terrifying because these rooms are literally not like nothing. There's nothing you couldn't. I can't even believe that people fit beds in them because the walls from bottom from like width wise, I can't lay down in. They're so small that I am too tall for it. So I would have had to have like. I don't know, a giant size bed. I couldn't even fit in the door. Like the door was almost up to my chin. And I was like, I, who, what, why, why is this, who would live like this? I mean, I guess, you know, if you were short, it would make sense. But if you weren't short, why would you live like this? And not only that, but like Kafka lived there for some reason. Uh. He apparently like his sister owned a bill, one of the, places and she rented it to him like he didn't even own it he just rented a shitty I, I can't even imagine that you rented a home and like it had no toilet why would you pay for that i mean i feel like that? that was a setup and a payoff you're like there there was there was no there were there were no bathrooms not even an attempt and then you're like by the way kafka worked <laughs> lived there <laughs> like you described a, you described a place that was kafka-esque and then <laughs> well <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like I, I guess it was good inspiration for him because like look where he, he ended up <laughs> but it's it just is like it was so weird um i just love the and that was like un, just surprisingly profound phrasing of just like there there was no bathroom <laughs> not even an attempt <laughs> I'm, I'm just been reeling <laughs> from that since he said it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but otherwise, it was uh, it was pretty fun. Uh, we happened to go during a weekday, which was really cool because there was official business happening for the country. So you got to see all these fancy cars driving around with a bunch of fancy people in it. Uh, I don't know who they were because they're all European people. And I don't even know the countries. Or I don't even know the capitals of every European country, let alone who runs these places. So I don't know who it was. But I saw a lot of fancy guys in suits. And if you were there fancy guy in suit driving your car away from the Prague castle. I saw you. So be on your best <laughs> behavior next time, I guess. <laughs> like, Very specific the, call uh, and you're rolling your dice. Will he be one of the 2000 <laughs> people to see this? One of them will see it. And, uh, uh, also apparently there's also, we went to, we walked around this garden. There's like this beautiful, nice garden area and attached to it is the queen's castle. I think, I think it's actually called like something else, but they call it the Queen's Castle. And um, no one like <laughs> the Queen didn't live to see it made, 
but also her husband didn't live to see it made. So, like, nobody who asked for this fucking place lived to see this place made, which is a very weird thing to exist, I guess. It's just... I I thought that was very fun to think about, that, like, your your wife goes, like, I would like, I guess, a hobby room, and you build her a cat. I don't know what she wanted it for, because she didn't get to live to even do anything with it, so we don't even know what the hell she was going to do with it, so... He's like, yeah, I'll build her that, and or I hire someone to build her that, and so he builds that, and midway through it, he just dies. So he doesn't even know what the hell his wife wanted to do with this damn thing because he didn't even get to see the thing being made. It's just a a building he contracted out. Who finished it? How do they know to finish it? What if there's like changes that need to be made? What if you just like, what if she hated it? What if she <laughs> would have hated it? Like, I feel so bad. Like, this thing is tied to her, and maybe it's not even what she wanted. She's like, no, I wouldn't want a giant window in the front that's ugly. I wanted, like, 16 windows that were shaped like owls. Like, who knows? I we just will never process get... the entire concept of construction projects that, were, that people start knowing that the project will outlive them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's, like, uh... Like I played the game Pillars of the Earth, which is named, which is based mm. on the book, and like yeah, like that's that is uh, a book about you setting out to build a cathedral that you know you won't see finished. I'm like that's just, that's just like that's such yeah. a baffling concept to just have to live through, like the idea, like oh, this is my this is my calling, so much so that I literally am just doing one step of it with my entire life. It's like that one cathedral in Spain. I'm forgetting the name of it now, but that's like a it's been in construction for like a long, 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 long time. Um, what the hell is the name of that? That's going to bug me. Uh, like, I think it's still under construction, maybe. So it's been like well over 100 God. years. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. The, the cathedral that's like the main big Dark Souls cathedral that's in this castle took like I think it was like a couple hundred years to finish. So like there yeah, were multiple yeah. kings who just didn't get to see a full castle or a full like church in their castle, which is also a weird concept to me. Like you just go and pray in like a half finished cathedral every day. And someone's just like, yeah, they'll both get it done someday. Just keep giving us money to build it and we'll finish it. <laughs> like what? Oh, yeah, the, the cathedral I was thinking of, La Sagrada Familia. Yeah, it's been under construction since 1882, and it's not expected to be completed for some time yet, according to Google. Wow. For some time? What happened? Like, is there's just nobody available? How did? How do you... What? What is the holdup? What's the bandwidth? Uh, what's taking up the most amount of bandwidth for this team? Why so, are uh, they unable to finish the project? <laughs> I can't pretend to know anything about its history or construction, but I do know that the architect behind it is famous for doing like insanely intricate and ornate stuff. Um, so that might be part of the part of the process. Like the, it's just but, like every, that every guy's dead, is, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, long for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so so again, like my my thought process is like, how do we even know we're building it right? How do you even know you're doing what needs to get done? Like well, you're not going to be getting any more them. new input. It's going to be a bit like the wheel of time or whatever, where it's just, you, you finish yeah. it based on the so, notes of what was left over. So, yeah, I, so that was 1926. But I guess so in some the, of these like, cases, how like, still going on? like how much notes, how many notes did he leave? Like, did he leave like, like the entirety of the Harry Potter series in like notes <laughs> for a building? How do you do this? Like what? It's just bricks and wood. Just, 
brick and wood it get it out of here we're done wrap it up i do wonder i do wonder what the physical labor element is that's making it take as long as it does but as far as like the question of how (laughs) it continues i would imagine it's like the equivalent of like you know like when whenever you talk about like ips for example like there's like the the creator of the thing dies but then like there's the estate that still has the rights to the thing and there's still the money that was like the the whatever funding is involved likely still exists and there's probably still someone controlling it and so it just kind of keeps going (laughs) forever i guess you definitely would hope it'd go somewhere at some point yeah i i i mean i would hope it's just the it's it's very weird to like and i guess in the for like behind you know like the longer you go back i i can start to understand like yeah sure it takes a while to build a castle right you got a lot of tools it's a lot of labor it's a lot of everything you can't just mass produce this shit so i can understand there's like this expected time amount but as we have gotten more betterer at building things uh more efficient we have better tools we have better well you know like more specialized manpower we have just everything we need to build buildings way better and more efficiently and somehow that can happen like how how do you have a how could i i I can't imagine something something being designed a hundred years ago is intricate enough that we couldn't just pump it out in like a year like there's no way there's i i have to imagine there's downtime periods of downtime where like not progress isn't made for like a decade because of like funding or something you know like i I would just assume but yeah but that's even funnier like there's just a tarp over this church (laughs) for like a like for 10 years and someone's and someone's just like oh god please send us the money to finish this church that for some reason we just can't commit to just finishing now for cheap we have to do it the way that this one dead guy recommended us doing it like just I, I, we're, sta- I, I, I we're just, staring at this thing confused and asking questions and all i can think about is the fact that like there's probably like a YouTube channel dedicated entirely to obsessing over the history of this exact project in excruciating detail. That's oh, just I'm ine- sure that's just inevitable. They can answer oh, all yeah, of your probably. questions. They know about every reason, every piece of drama or uh, upset that set back every generation of this happening, and like <laughs> the great silence of like, the twenties and blah blah blah. And like this picture, this that you sent is just—it's not even good looking. That's the worst part. Like it, I, the statues I kind are amazing. Of, I kind of love it. It's so well. The guy's name really? is—I don't know how to pronounce it. It's uh, but it's gaudy, which is funny because it sounds you know the word gaudy. Uh, um, yeah. accurate. But yeah. yeah, like you know his his stuff is just like so like alien looking. It's so bizarre. I wasn't it's, ready for this. It, yeah, the uh, the plaster or whatever it is looks like a salad. Yeah, it just looks like there's a bunch of like stucco on the wall. I mean, that's what I kind of love about it, just because it's so like it's so excessive and so over the top. Like, yeah, every everything he made was just really weird looking. But also, why is this hard? Isn't this just you're just taking like cement and then like gooing it in your hands and slap and throwing it on the wall? It's not like you're intricately weaving these the things, statues right? look like they're laughing at the people that are trying to finish this the building <laughs> i mean like look I at these little shits laughing. look at them go i think, <laughs> they think this is gonna ever happen i think they're technically laughing at god down here he's just down here like trying to i don't think that's god he's like, i think that's I, just I, oh, a dude 
I thought that was Jesus. Who is that? Why are, well, I mean, whoever it is, this guy's having a bad day. Because like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight kids are laughing at him. That's not, and people are playing music while he's being mocked. Like this dude's just getting hard lambasted by the town. <laughs> like, holy shit. I've never seen kids laughing at you get background music for it. Like what, what are, are they playing like a, like what's the song that they're playing for them? Yeah, uh, I'm just imagining that whenever they try oh, to start construction of this place again, boss music starts playing. It's, it is like, oh, oh, wait, where I should show you. Hold on, uh, I should probably. But anyways, yeah. So there's, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of. Uh, sorry, I was thinking I should probably send you the picture of this this nightmare cathedral I was talking about. Um, but the, uh, but yeah. So it was it, the castle was pretty interesting. I. Uh, otherwise, there's like a lot. Like Prague has a lot of monuments to people dying from communism, oh which my is God. a really. I just realized that this this castle is a work in progress. No, this this one this one isn't in Prague. The, but the other one, uh, the castle that yeah we're that is still yeah. being built isn't in Prague. No, I got another pun. I caught it. But I figured time, it out. At a time. <laughs> At one point in time, you, that joke was accurate. Um, well, the one we were just talking about is. <laughs> huh? Or wait, or, or was the other, or wait, was the one we we're talking about a minute ago not from Prague? The one that's incomplete? Yes. Yeah, that one's, that one's in Spain. Is not in Prague. Damn it. Yeah. That's well, what I was, that's what right. I was saying. Yeah, I kind of derailed that. <laughs> no. But, but yeah, so that is the giant, terrifying cathedral. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's not, I, I don't think that picture. I don't know if it will go more detail in that picture. Yeah, you can't really like zoom into that picture. It's there's a lot going on in there. It's it's got like a whole story and more. It's uh I think like each door is part of the process of life and death. And then like the window at the top is also a giant like what is it? Uh it's like a story in and of itself going on in that window it, it's just too much honestly it's very it is a lot for a country that are, yeah for a country like that already the, has you like, realize that these things take forever to make because they insisted on making every individual break like uh, every individual brick like a unique asset <laughs> like it has to have its mm -hmm. own specific yes. shape and you can't just sit there and make like 200 of the same one because this isn't they, they won't go anywhere <laughs> yeah and you you also have to imagine that it's like Fun fact, not only is it this really ornate, unnecessarily complex looking building, it's also a fucking clock tower, <laughs> like, which is even worse. Like now you have to hire someone to build a clock in your fucking goddamn church. Like that's not easy either. So it's, it's just there's so much. There's so much to this one unnecessarily expensively large cathedral and inside is just so much it's so big it's full of like things you can't even touch so it's it, like 90 percent of it can't even be used and it's i i don't even i can't even begin to to understand the, they're very they're very impressive but there's it always it does it does lead to the there's like there's like a subset of people that'll have the gut reaction of like why don't we do that anymore? See in the old days people used to wear suits Money. on planes and stuff like that and the, that kind of look at anything that looked fancy from the past. But at the same time you look at this and you're like, this sure was a lot of work for uh what is it? 
what does it do who is it for like <laughs> it does it does serve yeah. almost no function besides being a just grotesquely time consuming and expensive and dangerous thing to make i am like I fi- we... i'm really fixated on this weird ladder shaped lattice thing on the right there's just like a I wonder weird... how many um is gonna see european listeners are gonna have a laugh at like three americans just continuously having <laughs> their minds blown by ridiculous cathedrals because this is not like a normal thing it's... for us <laughs> it, is, it is not i i'm thankful that it kind of isn't because i will admit it does make everything look it, so it does not to be rude but it does make everything kind of look like you're at disneyland um like, here's, <laughs> i think that look here's, little, that's a, no, little no, here's a good horse. example <laughs> little... look at this look at this look at this shit like how is disneyland not... is wants to look like this <laughs> and, and this is cartoonish that that's what i'm saying this is cartoonish yeah. behavior you can't have a rate you can't have regular looking buildings with a fucking castle in the back like that doesn't make any sense like i would be it does so, give I'm off the so vibe good. of like the other buildings are like the ticket booth to the cathedral <laughs> yeah like <laughs> Like, like this is a normal home for somebody and they wake up and there's just a harry potter house behind them like why what's happening it is like, a it's lot just, it is a wild a look at it. Um, i am jealous though of a lot of european city design though just because like I, oh yeah i oh, live yeah. Oh, in, yeah yeah there was i have lived so far in suburban neighborhoods of california and guess what sucks is that like yeah. it's nice to have like that being in a house is nice the house is in a bad place though no matter what like we literally just yeah. made an entire country where there's just a giant grid of the same houses repeating over and over again so if you get out of your house all you see is your mailbox your designated housing district's shitty park and one billion copy copy pasted <laughs> houses it's like uh i can't eat houses sir <laughs> i need to go i need to go places to eat or to have entertainment or live as a person outside of my room like that's kind of like the, the i think the pandemic pandemic only makes this worse to some extent to some extent is the fact that like this is just we did not make towns in a way to be lived in like you literally just no. have like it you, they make we make towns the way that i make cities like i make bases in uh in rts's where I'm just like, I don't know, all the houses go like over there. Then you just like make 500 houses over there. Every time you need to make the number go up <laughs> for how many houses, how many people can live in your town. And you don't have to think about like people living there and walking around and accomplishing anything mm. ever. So it's like, I don't know, just over in the corner where I don't look, they'll build 500 houses with no space in between them. Uh, that's how America actually works. <laughs> so yeah, huge amounts of our country. Anything. Yes, you need to drive a not insignificant distance to do almost anything in your town because you can't just like get food without one. So like people that can't drive are just at a massive disadvantage, but also like we all like, there's the constant, like, like the, there's the wear and tear on the vehicles. There's the, the contribution to emissions. And, but also just the fact that like, you can't just like get exercise. Like and in the, between that and like our, our, our subset of processed foods and just how hard it is to get healthy food and so on. I'm like, I was so jealous of how like Joe moved to Japan and then like I we I saw we saw him again like six, like images of him like six months later and he was immediately like massively uh, less heavy because he just escaped yeah. America where you can't walk yeah. anywhere to accomplish anything and you feel like you're in danger if you ever get on a bicycle because you just yeah. have to like share the road with death machines all day. 
Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then yeah. you also the food is like decent and good and not like just, just this nightmare of like, wow, this is how we're able to get to stay and to get this price. And it's, it's, it's yeah. And the system is not good is, for uh, us for the most part. It's not even like, and that's the thing is I, I imagine there's a lot of people, uh, which it, it is frustrating. It's that uh, this, the system tends to also work because people don't leave it. And because people don't leave the system or they end up like traveling internally and spending a lot of time going to other states that just do the same fucking thing, you end up with this like bias that this is normal. This is actually just a normal way to build cities because everyone does this. But when the this, moment you just travel dumb country. Yeah, but like the moment you leave our dumb fucking country, you're like, hey, you know, it'd be really cool. What if you could just go eat at a different restaurant every like five minutes of walking? And you're like, oh, that would be kind of cool, actually. Like, what if there was every type of food you wanted and generally around, like, at most a 10-minute walk in a city that doesn't, that is, like, built for you to do that in? So you can just go for a walk and grab something to eat. And it could be a different thing to eat every single day of the week. Like, it's very it was so interesting to just like we would be walking through these streets and Nate would just be like, let's go down that alleyway. I know there's a cafe down there. I'm like, no, what? This is just an alleyway. Like it's tiny and there it barely fits two people walking side by side. And you go down there and there's like a bookstore and a cute <laughs> cafe and like a bunch of other businesses. And you're like, what the fuck are you all doing in here? How do people come to you? Where do they know about this? There's no like because it's the signs. local thing. <laughs> Yeah, but like if you actually walk around because there's reasons to walk around, you would quickly discover what's on your block and like, ah, that's the place. Don't it doesn't matter what the location is, it's there. Yeah, and it's like we just go into like a cafe and then the cafe is like half of a building and then half of a greenhouse. Like, oh okay, (laughs) just in the middle of the of the city, there's just this thing. And that's crazy to me that you it's crazy to me that america goes like actually no thank you i don't want that i would much prefer that one thing is cooler than the entire town i live in (laughs) yeah that's what i'm saying it's like i could go outside and walk for like an hour and i won't find anything even remotely as cool as this tiny little bistro like i'm very upset by the prospect there was like the the most upsetting thing i found was we left the castle and uh we walked out, we walked like a few minutes, uh, like, or not even a minute, like a, like a minute away from the castle and directly outside of the castle in a regular old building. Like I pro- it probably used to be a, um, what's it called? Uh, I would imagine it's like a trade post area would probably what it used to be in this trade post is like a Starbucks coffee. It's like god god damn it like it's it's just it's that that reminder of like oh cool they can also just have a starbucks and it doesn't look like shit that's nice like i appreciate that they can still have history and a starbucks and we have to have whatever this weird chic not fitting into anything else around it looking starbucks is like it just it's just a nightmare everything is just a a nightmare um compared to a european city but as i said it is uh it's the the other pictures i sent are more regular looking squares like that's more of a regular residential area where cars can go in the center but they're not it's but it's not asphalt it's stone so like it's technically not a over it's like constantly driven over area you'd find like bikes being more used than like cars but it is like 
within walking distance to a bunch of crap and like just a few minutes away is like more like modern skyscrapers next to really old buildings and hotels and again there is a street but not a lot of cars on it it's just like you can so it's possible there are there are ways to like intertwine these things like if you go you know like a 10 15 minute walk from that area you'll see a, a road a normal road with normal cars on it but you can also have a huge swath of area that cars can get into but not as frequently and just a lot of people can walk through it and it's more cohesive rather than this like uh, the u.s does one or the other it's just like you don't you have you get a choice you're either gonna walk and suffer or drive and suffer and you're like I, mm-hmm. okay well i i guess i'll just drive it's faster right um but uh but yeah it's just uh it's otherwise it is it is weird to try it is weird to think that you can uh in most european cities you can just see history kind of in a weird uh wave like you'll just see pieces of history from like really really old all the way to modern in kind of no real order like it does it there's no like the requirement for it to uh be in one place or the other and it can be a little bit uh stupid like uh for example in uh in prague they're like the new thing that's going on is i think they're like gearing up toward legalizing weed because there's just every other like shop you walk past is just like a weed shop and it was uh obnoxious (laughs) like it's just you would see these like um you'd be walking past these nice buildings and it's like, Oh, this is really cool. And then you'd see like this giant led sign in one of the windows. And it's like, you can come here and buy weed. And you're like, okay, that's great. And then you do this. It's just the same thing though. Like every other building, it's just come and buy weed in this building. Like, I don't, this is not Amsterdam, sir. You need to chill out. I don't know what's going on here. This place (laughs) is out of control. And like you, and it's like, it's so many like weed tourist shops and like gift shop stuff. And so it is kind of sad in this way that there are parts of European cities that do just become like dumpster bins for tourism. And I can see how that would be, I would be slightly uninterested in that if I was locally there. Like it's cool that I can get to a lot of, you know, certain businesses and food places, but it it is, uh, I, I can't imagine it would be also quite annoying to have a chunk of your town being uh, in existence for tourism. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think there's a uniqueness about suburban American cities that aren't like that. Like, I don't think any, like my uh, the hometown, me and Keith are from, I would not, it, most people knew because of one shopping complex, but like <laughs> otherwise, but otherwise no one else knew what was in this town. Like if you ask them like, Oh, do you know what's like beyond that shopping complex? And like, I don't know, farms, like no one just knows what's back there. And there is something nice about that, that I don't have to live within the the center of a giant tourism hub. Um, but at, at the same time, it it's, it's annoying that you can't have, I guess your own, uh, because it, it, I don't know, it's like, a, it's really much a give or take, right? Like you have to, a lot of these small cute bistros can exist because tourism is so prevalent and these shitty parts uh, these shitty stores that take up uh, that otherwise ruin otherwise really interesting looking buildings or take up space for otherwise much better businesses are because tourism so it's kind of just just uh, duality but um 
there was a uh like i said because it was a because prague was part of the um it was part of the ussr it was uh when there there are a lot of these really small nuggets that you can find of that still existing of that uh that era that it was once in and you can also find it's like there's these nuggets of oh yeah this is definitely like i can see that it, that this is part of a communist um uh, uh city planning like this is definitely how you would go about it it you know it, it's like efficient makes sense it's like compacted um very much like how you would have wanted to make uh this kind of thing on a budget and then right next to it is like you can see the fall of communism where it's like overly lavishly uh art deco capitalist looking architecture and you're like what the what's happening here um also just weirdly seeing like you could just walk into uh you could walk into these i guess you they're like they're just hallways they're hallways that connect one side one street to the other street uh, because obviously these buildings, they just have these like huge, giant, long stretches of buildings and you need to get across them somehow without going all the fucking way around it. And so they just build tunnels. And so when they built these tunnels, eventually they said like, why don't we just build businesses in the tunnels that you're walking through? And so you can go in a tunnel to walk through a building to get onto the other side faster. And there's just businesses in that tunnel. And like that sort of stuff is, I think, uh, I, that is kind of the stuff I think uh, is a good middle ground for America. I think you can definitely make more of that where it's, you don't, I get that you want to keep the car or whatever, but I think you can make more it, because you have a car, right? It doesn't matter if you make really long stretches of buildings because you can just drive around it fastly. But if you're walking, it would be nice to have like long stretches of buildings that kind of enclose in on themselves almost. And then people walk in the center of those and park on the outside of them um, or drive or on the outside of them. Or we can all die in Elon Musk's gamer tunnels. <laughs> we could. The, the, uh, God, that shit. The car only single vehicle, but only a specific so... type of vehicle, RGP gamer death trap tunnels. It's so stupid. You know what it is? <laughs> like we basically, we live in the timeline where like Who Framed Roger Rabbit is real. And like uh, Judge Doom was successful in destroying all forms of public transportation like that. <laughs> I feel like that, that's that's the timeline we live in as Americans. We live in a country that desperately needs better public transit and more and incentives to use public transit over what we have. And instead, we a billionaire made what was essentially the antithesis of that entire concept and just a massive case of waste. And it just happened. Yeah. I said, yeah, just like, let them do I that. Mean, it it did happen. It, it, look, it happened in Las Vegas, which is the kind of the place you would expect it to happen if it were to happen. It is definitely a place that just you kind of yeah, like it. <laughs> there, there's you know, a lot Las of Las Vegas uh, isn't Las Vegas. You mean as in like it's not actually in the Las Vegas County? Like the place people think of as Las Vegas isn't Las Vegas. Yeah, correct. It's not. It's not <laughs> in Las Vegas County. Yeah. Well, not even that. There's a pl there's a city called Las Vegas, and the place that we people think of is not that, from what I understand. It's yeah, called something else. In the entire yeah, the, the entire the, the entire city Vegas. area that people think of is not actually called Las Vegas. Apparently, it's, it's funny. I'm, it's I'm, just, I'm going it's just, there soon, and I didn't even know that. Just colloquially known as Las Vegas, but Las Vegas is actually like down the road. 
That's yeah, it's very I, strange. I want to say it's, uh, yeah, I want to say it's like actually called Paradise. I think that's like, I want to say that's what it is. No, it's is it Paradise? It's like something else. It's some weird, weird name. Like the, yeah, the city of Las Vegas itself is like kind of an obnoxiously dumb, very gerrymandered looking nightmare. Uh, and then the parts that you know of are just like sitting outside of it, like just outside of it. And I, I guess people just accepted that. I don't know. I, I don't get to plan that stuff, I guess, but I wouldn't plan it that way. It actually looks like a Minecraft map when you look at it from afar. It's actually really great. I appreciate that. Um, there you go. That's what it looks like. Yeah, it just looks like a mine, like like a Minecraft map. Fil like parts aren't filled in on the map. And you just need it. Someone needs to go down there and walk through those parts of the map and fill them in. But <laughs> the uh, oh the neon. But, yeah, it no, looks it's... like the neon museum might be in Las Vegas if I'm reading it right. I've been there. Neon museum. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the I think it also has uh there's. There's like a dinosaur exhibit in Vegas about, and I think they have, I want to say they have uh, something like life-size animatronics. No, they have these like life-size dioramas that they build, and then you can go and see them. Um, but yeah, the Neon Museum's there. That is, there's like the, I think Discovery Kids Museum's there, and that's pretty good. Because um, we were there last, we went over there in October last uh, last year, and that was pretty fun. Uh but but yeah, it's traveling is always a fun experience. It's I, I I I start I will say the one like the main thing uh I think my biggest my biggest thing I hate about traveling is often money. And yep. it's most it's mostly because uh not in the sense that you need money, but in the sense that money is always different. And um and I I hate I really, really hate uh, the colorfulness of most European money. I don't like it. <laughs> uh, Shots fired. It's, I, it I think it's like cool. It looks like Monopoly money, and I can't stop thinking that. Like, every time I see it and someone's, like, handing me things, I'm like, what? Is this a joke? Am I a joke to you? Where's the, your our, money? Our currency is this. so colorless and boring. I mean, it's been getting more colorful with each redesign, you know, like more purples I, being added onto our bills or whatever. But like, yeah, it's definitely a whiplash I, when I, you're used I, to all of your money being the same color and the same size. And then you go to a country yes. where each individual dollar is a different size and different color. And it's just, it definitely reminds it does. I, just, I, I, I get the monopoly money comparison because that's definitely what it looks like, but I don't know if our system's better. I, I don't think it, that it's better. Well, okay. So I think I, I think that it definitely needs to be better at differentiating itself in a non-visual way i don't want it to be colored i want it to be all green i like it a consistent color i also like them consistent sizes because i or at least consistent uh yeah i like them consistent sizes because i hate folding money and it's not consistent it really bothers me when you try folding money and you're like why is this one bigger i will break you do not do this to me and it's like it it's yeah i don't i don't i don't like that or the other the other part where it's weird to bend it like you can bend it but it doesn't like perfectly bend it's like this weird kind of like always it's trying to slowly bounce back from the bend and you're like you need don't do that like just they stay like bent. thicker I've money uh yeah like canada has thicker money and 
sometimes it's annoying to like i have one of those like really small pocket wallets and so sometimes putting the money in there i have to like fold it like two or three times and it goes like i don't really want to do that you can fold me like twice and otherwise stop um so it's just that stuff is annoying. you gotta, you gotta get the international that. version of your ridge <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, but American money is easy. You can do whatever you want with American money. You can fold it. You can turn it into planes. You can burn it. It's all, it all just, it's very easy. It's very low effort money. It doesn't, no one thought much about it. And that's kind of nice to some regard. But the, uh, uh, also coins, I hate. I think, yeah, I think everyone's coins are also annoying too. Because uh, it's not as, they don't usually do it as consistently as we did our coins in the way that the sizes are like the sizes for american coins are almost very pleasant like it's like very big and then like they kind of just stack on top of each other in a really nice consistent way except for like the dime and the penny which i don't like dime and penny need to be reversed but otherwise <laughs> everything is fine okay, i think we're ready to um, wrap up when we're giving hyper specific <laughs> currency opinions no. but anyway you can but, find uh, illusory yeah. wall by searching illusory wall on youtube and you can get a bunch of dark souls videos with very specific answers to very specific questions about elden ring and dark souls one in particular but a bit of the other the rest of the series as well mm -hmm. they're mm -hmm. quite the deep dive i'm still working through it yeah yeah i mean i just my most recent video was like an hour-long video about grave lording uh so that's always the oh recurring God. joke is like does it really take this long to explain that it's like well not exactly, but if you want to hear all the ins and outs and like all the ramifications of these weird designs, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, what, especially since you get past you get you get past the quick answer of why what the thing is and how it works, and then you get just to the wild esoteric of just like here's why this is so weird though. Like, why is yep. it like this, and why was it implemented in this way specifically? And the fact that they can keep doing videos like that for the same game for this long is like it really speaks to just how odd dark souls one is also Absolutely. see if you can spot the joke that i that made it into the video from me <laughs> yeah yeah oh, I've, been, guess, I've been guess I've been, appearance in my most recent video yep been infiltrating the illusory walls most recent videos <laughs> right on there's a there's okay. a joke there's a, there's a joke from me in the most recent video and then the previous video there's a joke oh. at me <laughs> oh yeah i already forgot i already forgot about that one yeah that was yeah. great <laughs> but anyway uh thanks for watching like always guys and uh thanks for coming illusory wall yeah yes, thank you for joining us and we'll see you guys next time see you okay bye